Welcome back. Start of a brand new week here on Sports Talk. Sixth day of June, 2022. Happy 10th birthday, Joel Kaplowitz. Wow, happy birthday, Joel. I love this. Breaking news. um, He's been, let me tell you something. Uh, This kid, um, you know, I talk about him so much because he's been basically joining us on the show in an informal way since he was about two or three years old. He was coming on, talking uh, on the program. He's not afraid of a microphone, that's for sure. He even told me he wants to become a sports radio host. I said, no, you don't. No. You're going to become, you know, you can become a doctor. You can be... uh, a lawyer, do whatever you want. Don't don't go into this. Don't don't be like your dad. Go do something. Go do something else. Go make some money. So eventually, when uh, when when I retire, uh, you know, you'll be you'll be in in good shape. So he could either be a sports radio personality, Steve, or maybe he could go into sports. Like maybe he can actually be like a baseball player or a football player, basketball player, or something like that. So I'm not ruling that out of the out of the equation, along with doctor, lawyer, and all the others that you reeled off there. Uh, but happy birthday, Joel Kaplowitz! I was, you know, it's really weird that it's his birthday today. I was thinking yeah. about him this morning, and I was just thinking we need like a, a check in after school check in from Joel to hear what it's like being a ten year old uh, here in El Paso. You really want to hear that? You would like yes. to know what it is? Yes. Well, first off, um, he's been very lucky this year because he was able to um, – He was able to. he's at the age now where – you know at certain ages you get all those big gifts and when you're a kid and then you start getting gift cards? Yes. He's at the gift card age now. That is the best age out there because at this age, at 10 years old, you know what you want. That's true. And you have it. Like, if you get that Target gift card, you get that Amazon gift card. No, oh. it's different, man. You know what he got this year? What did he get? He got Fortnite V Bucks. Oh man! So he's all. I said. And I said. I said. Listen, you save all those points because I'm not buying you skins anytime soon. So this better last you at least a year, if not more. So that's one thing. And he had stopped playing Fortnite. This has now gotten him back into it again. He gave up Fortnite for Sonic the last couple of months, and now he's back into it again. Got that? Got himself a couple of Nintendo gift cards. We got an. He got a, um, a sports game for his Switch. He's all excited. He beat me in tennis yesterday. I was not happy about that, so I lost to him in uh, in Nintendo sports. Um, that was fun, and then. Um, a couple of other uh, friends of his really spoiled him good this year. So he's gotten he's got some really cool stuff, really cool stuff. And um, you know, I'm telling you, they've uh, people are very generous, very nice to him. And uh, this kid, uh, he's uh, he's going to be just fine. He's going to be okay. I should not be surprised, Steve, that gift cards have now changed over to Nintendo, to uh, the yeah. the V-Bucks at Fortnite. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. But, hey, that's like gold to, to Joel, yeah. I bet. He did get Academy gift cards, and that's where we shop for most of the sports stuff we buy for him these days. So that's a really nice gift, too. I like that. Nice. So he can, get, he can get whatever he wants out there at Academy. Good stuff. Yes, that is right. You know, the last couple of years, he keeps asking for the same stuff. He's like, I don't know what I want. I want baseball cards. I'm like, well, you know, you got, you got to be a little more creative than that. So... Now he's uh, now he's in the gift card phase, which is which is good. But we got him. It's really cool. One of his friends uh, was very very nice and got him a uh, Pete Alonso Mets jersey this year, which is a super wow. gift. Uh, oh, and then man. and then we ended up getting him a Tatis jersey. So now he's got a couple of baseball jerseys to add to the collection, which is nice. So he can rock the uh, Alonso jersey oh. this week out there. He's gonna be able to rock in the Alonso jersey at a Mets game. That's correct. Yes. Man. I'm yes. I'm all about this. And then when Tatis comes back, imagine if Tatis makes his way through El Paso and then he's got that jersey. That's out what there. we're hoping. That's what we're hoping for. 
Oh man, we'll have to wait and see, right? After yeah. how the rehab goes. Hey, ten year old, ten year old Joe Kaplitz, what a great birthday! I'm happy telling for you, him. he's been uh, he's he's done okay for himself. Did okay. Um, I I grilled a lot of burgers over the weekend. Some Earl Campbell smoked sausage, which is terrific stuff, by the way. Having uh, and and here's an idea, a new grilling technique. I've never done this before, but over the weekend, I grilled on the lowest temperature setting possible to keep those burgers from drying out. Mission accomplished. Mission accomplished. Normally, I grill at about 500 degrees, and I go through those things so fast that by the time people eat them, it's, it's like char. This time around, I decided, no, give them a little more time, and uh, grilled at a much slower, uh, slower, uh, lower temp this year, and it worked out better. No, that's the best way to do it, honestly. Thank you, Jason. I appreciate that. That's uh, Jason Craig in the house right now, our uh, newest member of the 600 ESPN El Paso team. Yeah, that was good. And I, um, and then I basted barbecue sauce on both sides of the burgers as I was cooking them. Oh, yeah. You got to marinate them. Marinate them first. No, I didn't marinate. Frozen burgers. You, oh, you uh, put it on there frozen. Yeah, well, here's the thing. Bought the burgers frozen. They suggested keep it frozen, so I did. And um, it was really funny, too, because one of the people that came to the house said, hey, what's your recipe for uh, the, these burgers? They're so amazing. I need to tell my husband. She's like, this is like the greatest burger I've had. I go, I cooked them at a low flame, and that was it. She goes, what would you season them with? I said, I didn't season them. I put Casey Masterpiece barbecue on each side, <laughs> and she couldn't believe it, could not believe it. I said, sometimes you don't have to get too complicated. Now, understand this. I've made burgers from scratch where I've smashed them. I've put every kind of ingredient known to man in them, okay? And, and, they've, and they've come out fine, right? I mean, I've, I've done that where I took the meat, I've added, I don't know, 10 ingredients, and then formed the burgers. I've got a burger press at the house, did that. This time, I'm like, nah, keep it simple. So that was it. Frozen burgers and put them on the grill frozen. Add the barbecue sauce as you're cooking it. Don't be in a hurry. Cook them right. And they came out perfect. It's a secret sauce. That's yeah. all it is. I'm telling you, Adrian, it's nuts. And by the way, I wanted to do brats. That was my original plan. Uh, beer broiled brats. That's my mindset that I went in. Then I saw the Earl Campbell sausage detoured and and uh, made uh, made like four links or five links, whatever it was. And it was perfect. Everybody loved it. So that's good stuff. Earl comes through. I've been eating Earl Campbell's smoked sausage since college in the ni- in the early 90s. Wow, it's held up. It has. I used to eat the hot links years ago. That's where I go. And now, you know, he's got the regular kind, and it's uh, it- it's good stuff. It's good stuff. So that was the weekend. Grilling outside. Slaving over the grill for an hour and a half, two hours, and getting it done. Making sure everybody was not going to be uh, leaving the house, uh, leaving the house uh, you know, um, empty. That's for sure. That's awesome. I'm glad glad you had a good weekend, Steve. Got a big week this week. So, uh, yeah, hey, two more days in the 915 and then off to NY. It'll be a fun time to get away. You're going to be uh, holding the show, the, the, the uh, Fort Town along with uh, Jason. And then Friday we've got Duke and Lou Romano to host for me. That'll be fun. You're going to be out of town. I'm going to be out of town. So Duke and Lou, people are actually asking, can they come by the station to watch? Uh, unfortunately, you can't. We don't. We don't allow guests in the studio to watch live shows. Now, if we're on location 
absolutely we want you to come. But we're in the studio. The studios are small. They don't have a lot of room. So ultimately, we kind of keep things intimate. So Lou will be here with Duke. Friday's show is going to be legendary. I don't even know. Um, I think it starts at uh, like you know four, 4 to 6.30 on Friday. And Adrian, I think we're going to both be tuning in where we are because it's going to be so much fun. We got to be a part of it. Yes, we definitely do. Uh, we got to we got to brief uh, Tim Haggerty on this as well, so that he can expect some craziness for story time if that's uh, the direction we end up going this week. And yeah, I, I'm looking forward to Lou and Duke on Friday as much as anything else this week. So yeah, I'm definitely going to be. I'm, I'll, I'll be out of town out of the graduation this weekend, but I will definitely be tuning in. Good, very good. Um, where is the graduation, by the way? It's in uh, Carpentry out in out in California. Oh, nice! So, yeah, uh, fiance's family lives out there. SoCal so, for yeah, you. Yeah, definitely. So we're heading out there for just the weekend. So it's perfect. Leave Friday, come back Sunday. Actually, leave uh, Friday. Yeah, exactly. Come back late Sunday. Perfect. Good for yeah. you. All right, that'll be fun. Nice. You gonna catch a uh, you gonna catch a Dodgers or an Angels game while you're out there? I wish you know L A is probably like an hour out of that of Carpentria. Um, I wish I, I don't I think that they've got a whole itinerary planned as far as things around the graduation. So I've never heard of Carpentria. It's so nice. It's like a it's almost like a beach town. It's very if you know Santa Barbara, it's mm-hmm. very close, very very close. Okay, so it's uh, in that area, about an hour outside of California. So that's that's good. Does Jason know the area? Does he know Carpentria? Yeah, he he knows it. He Ventura. It's like eight oh five, right? Exactly. That's yeah. right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Nice. I used to live out there when I was a kid. There you go. Wow. Okay. Nice. Nice. Yeah, yeah. Jason's been everywhere. We found that out uh, last week when we talked about him. He's been all over the place. So so what happens when you uh, serve our military. Thank you for your service, by the way, Jason. Appreciate that. You're welcome. Thank you. You betcha. Twelve past the hour. We got a lot to cover on the show today. Um, last night the Warriors uh, turned this into a series. Evening it uh, at a game of peace with the Celtics, a game they had to have, let's be honest. If they go back to Boston down 0-2, this could have been a sweep. So at least now they ensure there's going to be five games in the series, although Boston's thrilled knowing they've got a, you know, a split going back uh, home, which will be fun to see how this series continues. Hockey-wise, listen, uh, the Avalanche look like uh, they are ready to just uh, play for the Stanley Cup Finals, and the Rangers had a golden opportunity to really put the – Tampa Bay Lightning in a tough spot. And just like the Maple Leafs, whenever you've got the, the, the Lightning down, you got to bury them. The, the Maple Leafs couldn't bury them. The Rangers couldn't do it either yesterday. Tampa comes back from 2-0 down to win 3-2 to make that now an interesting series. Rangers still lead it two games to one in their best of seven. So uh, the NHL and NBA, fi- well, we got the, we got the Eastern and Western Conference Finals right now in the NHL. We've got the NBA Finals going on right now. So some good stuff there, Adrian. Um, locomotive with a 1-1 draw over the weekend, but a 16-year-old uh, phenom who was part of the Locomotive Academy scored uh, the lone goal, and what do you know, his name is also Diego, so they lose one Diego, they gain another. That's a great story, and it's something we're going to be talking about with the aforementioned Duke Keith when he stops by at 5 o'clock. I just love the developmental program that the Locomotive FC have within their you know, within their offices, and this is a product, I mean, this Diego that you're mentioning is a product of their uh, player academy, where they have younger players, they develop them into their system, and the goal is, I mean, hey, one day play at the professional level for Locomotive FC, and that's that's what they were able to do uh, with this individual, and look at what happens. The, he, they uh, tie this Saturday, which is you know big for El Paso. Absolutely right. Absolutely right. So uh, there's a lot of interesting things going on right now um, with 
you know, locomotive. Now, would you have liked to have had three points instead of one? Sure you would. Absolutely. But uh, they'll take it. What's really interesting to me, though, is that, um, you know, they're loaded with stars on the offensive side, and the goal is scored by a 16-year-old. That, to me, is one of the surprises of uh, the weekend's games. Yeah, and also, you know, the I, I feel like, yeah, you want to get those three points, but just knowing that they've had injury, they've had the departures this week, I, I mean, the tie, they'll, I'm, I'm sure they're definitely going to take that and run with it because of all the different things the Locomotive FC has been dealing with as far as not really having that continuity as far in their roster and their lineup. Absolutely right. So we'll talk about that as well. By the way, congratulations, Diego. That checked in, I think, number eight in the ESPN Top 10 plays. That was really cool to see that. Abarca's goal, eighth on the SC Top 10. I think he should have been a little higher. If you looked at that whole Sports Center Top 10 list, some of those that went up there, they were just cutesy. I think he should have been at least you know number five or something like that. I'm with you on that one. Hey, excited about the show today. Excited that we're going to get the chance to talk to Danny Davis, who covers the uh, Longhorns for the Austin American Statesman and someone that obviously knows uh, a little bit about uh, Texas sports, especially with what's going on right now with the uh, College World Series as well as the softball uh, team that's making a run right now to Greenville. That's going to be big. Yes, this is somebody who covers this, both these teams on a day-to-day basis, so we're going to get his perspective. He, he uh, get a chance, gets a chance to interview these players and coaches, so get, get, the, get a chance to hear from him as far as what the players and coaches have as far as their outlook for the rest of this, uh, you know, this journey. Yeah, no doubt about it. So we'll get a chance to do that. And uh, by the way, as far as the Longhorn uh, baseball team goes, Ivan Melendez goes yard again over the weekend, now number 30 for Texas as he tries to win the home run title this year in college baseball. I'm so frustrated because I was expecting today to see more lists, more uh, you know, baseball lists with Ivan Melendez's name, and maybe it's just not yet. Maybe I'm jumping the gun on this, and, and I'm being too eager to see Ivan Melendez on more boards and draft and prospect lists, but, I mean, he's just playing his way. It's going to be very difficult for teams not to draft him if he, if he falls into the fourth and fifth rounds. No doubt about it. So we'll talk more about that as well coming up on the show right now as we continue but up next before we get to Danny uh, let's go to Charlie One we'll kick it off right with the first traffic update then plenty more sports talk right here on 600 it's ESPN El Paso we continue here on sports talk excited about having uh, Danny Davis with us covers the uh, Longhorns uh, for the Austin American Statesman you could check out uh, everybody uh, covering Longhorn Central at hook'em.com that is hook'em.com and follow Danny on Twitter at AAS Danny that's Austin American Statesman AAS Danny and uh, we say hello to uh, Danny Davis here on a Monday afternoon appreciate the time and uh, man this is about as good as it gets if you want really are a big fan of Texas baseball and Texas softball right yeah I mean you know there's a couple crazy fans who like to travel to <coughs> travel to every game and Getting the plane as soon as I can, so they're going to be getting those frequent flyer miles. The heading up to OKC today, maybe staying there for a couple of days, and heading on out to Greenville this weekend. So it's a lot of a lot of travel for the big the Big Ten Texas fans. I know Texas was kind of hoping they would host the Super Regionals, but ultimately they travel to take on uh, East Carolina. Did you think they had a shot to host, or did you pretty much figure they were going to be uh, heading to uh, the Carolinas? I mean, I was hoping they'd host, but you know, East Carolina obviously is a you know, top eight seed for a reason, and 
you know, they should be expected to, uh, expected to host and beat um, Coastal Carolina and Virginia, which was also in their regional. But, you know, for a second, since uh, Coastal, Coastal Carolina kind of took it to them last night, I thought there was maybe a chance, but uh, it was pretty early in that game today that it was it was pretty clear we'd be all heading to North Carolina this weekend. Danny, given what Texas had uh, did last season, I, I mean, everybody feels like this time around – um, you know, I don't want to say it's going to be a, a failure if they don't really win a national championship, but they came so close last year, had that uh, epic, uh, you know, series with Mississippi State, and uh, knowing what is, you know, what they have returning this time around, it really seems like this is a Longhorns club that's built uh, for a national title. Yeah, I mean, this team obviously being the number one preseason team. Heading heading into the season, um, I think expectations were a national title. Um, but you know they've, they've hit some bumps in the road. But they've kind of now that things are been a little bit straightened out. I think those expectations remain the same. And when you have the group of guys that they had last year, I think they have you know close to ten guys who have you know played in a played in Omaha, or gotten you know experience. Whether it was last year that 2018 team. And these these are guys who expect to have fallen short a couple times, and you know even if they didn't have that experience, I mean not to sound too, you know this is the University of Texas, but this is the University of Texas. You, if you're playing baseball, Texas, you expect um, you know to reach Omaha, and you expect to win a national title, and that's something that hasn't been done since 2005. And um, these guys are very familiar with with that drought, and so are their fans. I'm with you on that one. Uh, meanwhile, I also feel like around here in El Paso, since UTEP doesn't have a baseball team to get behind, a lot of uh, El Pasoans have adopted the Longhorns because of Ivan Melendez and, and what he has done the last couple seasons. Although, uh, let's put it in perspective. This year is a historic run by Melendez, and uh, he could rewrite the record books when it's all said and done as becoming the most uh, prolific uh, Longhorn slugger in the history of the program. Ivan Melendez, name sounds familiar. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of drawing a blank here. <laughs> just kidding. Uh, you know, Ivan has been just insane this year. Um, I, none of us expected this. Um, we expected him to, you know, come back to school, hit you know 20 home runs, you know, learn, you know, field first base pretty well, and, and then you know, head off, you know, go start his professional professional career this summer. But you know, just the 30 home runs. Hitting over 400, um, he's over closing. No, he did hit 90 RBIs um, last night. Just the insane stats that he has put. I mean, it's going to be something that you know Texas fans are going to be talking about for a very long time. And he obviously already has the home run record. For a while, he was flirting with the single season batting record, um, batting average record. Um, he's going to fall short of that, but still hitting over 400. Only a handful of guys have been able to say that they've done that at Texas. So. You just uh, put all that together. If he wins the Golden Spikes Award, which there's no reason to believe he's not going to, um, you know that number is going up. Um, no, no one ever is. Wearing, no one is going to ever wear 17 again. And even if he doesn't, you know, hit hit that, get that um, Golden Spikes Award, I I would be hard pressed to believe that David Pierce is going to let anyone wear number 17 for a while. So just everything that Ivan has done this season has been incredible. It's been it's been fun for me to watch. Give me a lot to. Um, write about and whether you're in El Paso or Austin, I'm sure if you're a fan of Ivan, who, who's a great kid, as I'm sure a lot of your listeners know, um, 
you know, it's been it's been fun to watch. No doubt. Danny Davis with us uh, here on Sports Talk as we continue. Um, he's been fun to talk to. We've had him a couple of times during the season. I know how much it meant playing the field because last year he DH'd most of the season and uh, didn't want to be labeled as a DH-only bat. That was the biggest reason for him to return. And given the opportunity to play first base, even though Ivan's choice would be third, that seems to be the position he loves the most. Uh, he really has. He's done a great job fielding. And I always wonder, too, and maybe you can expand on this one for me, Danny, what do you think about a player's mindset when they're out on the field every game rather than DH going up and being able to hit because you know you're 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 in the flow more than you would if you're just in the dugout when whenever you uh, you know you're not batting three or four times a game and and I wonder how much playing first has really helped enhance Ivan's season because he's so much more active in in the game flow than he was last year. You know, that's probably a question that I'm sure that Ivan could answer a lot better better than me. But I think, you know, it's probably one of those things where, you know, he can't just focus on hitting. And sometimes that's a good thing. Um, you know, if you're you know, too focused or too, you know, obsessed with one thing, sometimes that can, you know, weigh, that can kind of overtake you. And you can overthink things and think too much about stuff. But, you know, if Ivan goes up there and has a bad at bat or has a good at bat, you know, he doesn't have time, that much time to, you know, revel in that or overanalyze what just happened because he has to go back out in the field and, you know, play play first base on a team that, you know, fields a lot of grounders and has a lot of, you know, good good fielders on the left side of the infield or right next to him and Mitchell Daly at second. So, you know, you you got kind of got to the good, whether it's good or bad, you got to wash it and move on as opposed to, you know, last, last year if he's a DH, you know, he really, he really only had, you know, three to four, you know, moments in the spotlight each game and he could spend the entire game thinking about those those four at-bats, but that's not the case now, and that may be a good thing. Um, you know, some people may just want to focus on one thing, but Ivan doesn't get that luxury, and maybe that has, has helped. But once again, I think that's probably something he has to has to answer. We really haven't talked to him um, that much about that this year, which may be, I guess, a shortcoming on my part. I guess I'm maybe not that great of a journalist. <laughs> Well, but from uh, you know, from your perspective, what are some of the things that he could also continue to work on? I mean, everybody's talking about him going to the next level once the season is is done. What are some of the biggest things that you can see that he probably needs to work on in order to fine tune his his craft in the best way possible? I'm um, obviously you know, he's going to need to work. I'm um, continuing to work on the field. Um, he's I think he's played a pretty adequate first base, but you know you're going to need to you know, keep that keep that going as he um as he continues his career and wants to, you know, extend um his professional playing time of his. And obviously, you know, as, you know, he gets goes up the ranks, the pitching's gonna get better and they're gonna have better stuff to throw at him. And um you're not gonna just be able to see see red and see these fastballs as coming down the middle. So, uh, at times he struggled a little bit with stuff, but once again he's hitting over four hundred this year. So, you know, it's just a matter of just getting accustomed to better pitching and continue, continuing to improve in the field. As you mentioned, um, he does, I think, prefer third base. And we, every once in a while, when we see him at practice, he'll be over the over there fielding grounders. I, I think that part of his career is probably behind him. I think first base is probably his his future. So it's just a matter of, you know, continuing to you know, get better at fielding that position. And then, once again, just getting accustomed to you know, better stuff um, as he progresses um, up to professional ranks. More with Danny Davis as we continue here on Sports Talk. But first, let's get right back to Adrian and get this bottom-of-the-hour Sports Center update. 
Adrian, thank you very much. Danny Davis is with us right now. Covers the Longhorn baseball team for the Austin American Statesman. You can check out his work at hook'em.com and also follow him on Twitter at AASDanny. Uh, just out of curiosity, one more thing on uh, Ivan before we wrap it up and go to some of the other things making headlines. Have you heard at all um, what range he's being projected as far as the Major League Baseball uh, amateur draft? I have not. Um, you know, we've tried to ask a couple times to you know David Pierce and Ivan himself, and they've kind of wanted to focus on you know just kind of the um, you know season at hand, which is understandable. The draft is you know the draft is kind of it's it's a it's a weird science. Um, you know, obviously with his stats, he has that talent, and you know you'd say okay, this is an, a no doubt first round first rounder, but then you know his age factors into it, and you know, signability fact factors into it because, you know, he doesn't have, you know, the leverage of a of a high school player who could say, I'm going to I'm going to college for three years if you don't pay me. So um you know that may that may hurt him a little bit. It's not often you see a fourth year guy is going high in the first round. So you know obviously he's a you know first ten round talent. Um I just don't know where that is. Um I've seen plenty of good players who you'd figure would shoot up high to slip because of things that don't make sense. So I don't want to say one way or another, but I mean, he's clearly a first round talent, but whether or not he gets taken in the first round really doesn't have to have to do with that talent sometimes. So we're just going to have to have to wait and see and, you hope the best for Ivan. Makes sense. Uh, and by the way, it's such a loaded team. I mean, that's the most important thing to note, that as the Longhorns uh, continue to to roll through and, and, and have 45 wins so far this season, uh, there's a ton of guys hitting over 300. There's a couple of guys hitting over 370 in addition to uh, Ivan. And uh, it just seems like uh, it, it's a team stock, uh, you know, stocked with talent and, and really good pitching. It's like the perfect balance as they try to prepare themselves to get back to Omaha, isn't it? Yeah, and you know, and I think Ivan will be the first to tell you. I mean, that's you know, you know, most of the reason why he's having the season he's having is just you know he's putting the work and he's a very talented, talented guy. But once again, you know, when you have Murph Staley hitting behind you and he's you know hitting in the high three hundreds and seventeen home runs, you can't necessarily just you know just automatically intentionally lock Ivan. Um, you can't just always pitch around him because there's a guy behind him that can mash it too. And then you know Austin Todd since he's come back. From his injury hitting behind those guys, you know, he has a 16-game hitting streak. So Ivan gets to see pitches because the guys behind him are playing so well. And when you have a one through nine and a couple guys on the bench who can hit as well, that's uh, that that's a pretty formidable formidable offense, which, you know, as longtime Texas fans know, it's not always been the case in Texas baseball. And going into the season, I think a lot of people expected this team to be a, a team that uh, pitched its way to Omaha and won a lot of um, – you know, 3-1 games, and, you know, Ivan may have hit those home runs, but that was going to be all um, that this this offense saw. But a lot of those guys have stepped up and, you know, produced some you know, good offensive numbers, and it's been the offense carrying this team. So that's, uh, you know, been been interesting. They they have a couple arms on this team. Pete Hansen, um, he's going to be going somewhere in, high in the draft this uh, in, a, in, a, in a month or so, or whenever the, whenever the draft is. Lucas Gordon has really come on. Um, throughout the season, they have some bullpen guys that they've been able to kind of piece it together as any, as anyone who saw yesterday's game um, goes. I mean, the pitching is not what we thought it was, but they do have a couple of nice arms, and then this offense has just been raking throughout the season, which has been a, 
unexpected but uh, fun fun to watch. Absolutely. For a lot of people around here, they've enjoyed it and looking forward to seeing uh, what will happen now as you head to uh, the Super Regional out there in East Carolina and uh, against uh, what's going to be a very tough opponent. And that's not another uh, – it's not going to be easy. That's for sure. And I'm trying to remember last year when Texas went uh, to uh, Omaha – um, did they host the? Uh, I thought they did they host the super regional last year because I thought they did. Yeah, they hosted South Florida last year, which actually won the conference tournament that East Carolina won um, this year, the American Athletic Conference. So um, they kind of know that that conference. Um, but you know, this East Carolina team is a lot better than that South Florida team um, was last year. That South Florida team just got hot, hot in May and June, um, and you know made it to Austin. But Texas did host last year. Um, but that is not the not the case this year. But you know, um, I don't. You know, at this time of the year, everyone's good, and you have to beat good teams to get to Omaha and Texas. Just because uh, they missed out on that slimmest of margin with East Carolina as the number eight overall seed, so Texas is the number nine. They have to go on the road, so it'll be it'll be interesting for those who actually make the trip. Maybe it's something a little new, uh, but it, we'll, we'll see if they can get it done. Danny, give me your thoughts on the uh, softball team quickly enough. Uh, they're trying to uh, get themselves into the championship series uh, of the Women's College World Series, and uh, they got Oklahoma State uh, coming up uh, in less than an hour right now. So big opportunity for them. And, hey, here's a program that's been around just a little over 20 years. They've never won a national title in softball, and uh, they're, they're, they're so close right now. I know a lot of fans could taste it. Yeah, I think they have a, a, an uphill battle. Um, Oklahoma State's been as as good as Oklahoma's been. Texas has beaten Oklahoma this year. Oklahoma State went four and zero against them uh, this year. Since Mike White has gotten gotten here, um, you know, four years ago, I think Texas has only beaten Oklahoma State one or two times. So Oklahoma State's just been kind of that team that's been tough to get by. They had to get by them twice, um, you know, tonight in order to advance the you know the championship series against Oklahoma. And anyone who saw what, you know that Oklahoma game. This afternoon, you know, Oklahoma lost once and then beat the snot out of a decent UCLA team. So I think Oklahoma, for good reason, is the favorite. Oklahoma State is, is um, 1B. But, you know, you play the game for a reason. Um, Texas could possibly get hot. They're confident. They know they have nothing to lose and no one expects them to be here. So that kind of takes off that pressure. They can go out there and have fun and we'll see. But it's going to be really tough for them to win four games this weekend. But I've been wrong about this team before. I've been wrong about this team throughout the season. So maybe I'm wrong um, this uh, this time, and Texas fans can let me know about how wrong I am if they can find a way to win four pretty, games um, this week. Pretty impressive when you look at uh, three of the four teams still left uh, as Big 12 powers. goes to show you just how stacked this conference really is. Yeah, it was a top-heavy team. There are only three teams that got into the tournament, um, so maybe the, the, the conference was a little disrespected. But you know, Oklahoma and Oklahoma State – um, I think people expected them, and Texas had the talent. They just struggled at times throughout the season, but they've gotten it together and kind of shown exactly what people thought um, before the season when they were a top ten team, and people were kind of projecting good things for them with you know people like uh, Janae Jefferson, um, Haley Dosini, Mary Iacopo, um, some some of the vets have really stepped up uh, down the stretch. So you know it's been it's been fun to watch, and we'll see if they can get it done. I know they're hoping for a long night in Oklahoma City tonight, and we'll see if they can uh, get that done. Terrific job today, Danny. We appreciate you checking in with us. Thanks so much. Have a safe trip out there to uh, Carolina and uh, look forward to uh, hopefully uh, booking your trip out to uh, Omaha here, not before long. I appreciate it. You know, anytime you guys want to talk about Ivan, give me a ring.
We'll do. And then uh, next time we get you on, we'll make sure we bring uh, Charlie on for a Sports Talk debut. How's that? Well, I don't know if you heard him uh, squeaking in the background, but he, he tried to he tried to interrupt, but he uh, his mom came and grabbed him just in time. I like it. No, he's like his dad. He's got a lot to say. So next time we'll, we'll put him on the air. We'll see what he's got to tell us. All right? That'll be great. So, so, sounds good. All right. He's Danny Davis, folks. Follow him on Twitter at AAS Danny and check out his work at uh, hook'em.com. Come back with more in a moment. 20 in front of five. As Sports Talk continues, 600 ESPN El Paso. Start the uh, new week outright. Adrian's movie review, 48 past the hour. I have no idea what movie Adrian's going to talk about today, so I'm excited about it. Kick it off. Steve, uh, well, first off, thanks to Alamo Drafthouse for presenting us the uh, movie reviews every day. You could go on at drafthouse.com to get tickets for either East locations or their Montecito location on the West Side. That's Alamo Drafthouse, and you could just go on drafthouse.com. Steve, I got bad news. I did not see Top Gun over the weekend, um, unfortunately. Just t- too busy. But Hey, I'm- it's okay. I mean, it's listen, there's, it's going to be showing for a while. You got time. You've I got saw time. All, the pro- all the commercials, all the the promotions over the NBA Finals over the whole weekend, so it was constantly in my face, constantly reminding me that I still need to watch it. So I'll, I'll get there, I promise. Uh, thank God it's Friday, 1978. This one was released. It's, it was on my list. Um, I didn't know what to think going into this one because you know I had just watched. Uh, um, now that the, the movie's escaping me, but with Travolta, uh, Saturday Night Fever. So I was kind of thinking disco th- uh, in the back of my head, but I didn't really know what to think. Well, the setting takes place out in an LA night club called the zoo and it really recaps what goes on on a friday night and it was perfect for me because i got a chance to go into a time machine and see what it was like to go you know to be in the nightlife uh, environment in la in the 70s from this movie now um i love the way that this movie was told I, I the plot is kind of all over the place because it goes through multiple characters and kind of gives you all their backstories so all the different stories kind of intertwine when it's all said and done but you've got uh you know the owner whose name is tony he's kind of a grimy dude and he's got a a really nice car that he's in love with uh, and he's all about money. You've got Bobby Speed who's DJing for the first time and he's, uh, you know, handling things out there at the disco itself. You've got Franny and Jeannie who, they're two girls who are a little younger and they want to win the dance contest that's happening that night to try to win Kiss concert tickets. I love that part. Like, I just love these little like nuggets that keeps keeps popping up in this film. Um, A lot of memorable scenes out of this one uh number one Tony's Porsche. I said that he loves his car. The owner, his Porsche, kept getting hit left and right, like throughout the whole film, by all the different characters in this movie. And then at the end, his car completely falls apart. It was just, you know, it's ridiculous. Uh, and then you have to call call Donna Summers, uh, you know, finale when she finally steps in and sings the song, um, you know, Last Dance before the night ends. That was one of the most memorable points. Found out just right now. She actually won a Golden Globe huh. for that one. So um, very interesting, right there. This this uh, film was made and released during the height of the disco era, which w- which probably added to this. Now, interestingly enough, it had a very low budget, but it tripled 
in terms of what it made on on the box office. Uh, I went into this one to be honest with you, Steve, thinking uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna give this one like a four out of four or five bananas, and then I left it with all the memorable parts that the, it gave me. I want to. I kind of want to give a half banana, but I can't do that. So I'm going seven out of ten bananas. Solid, solid movie. Yeah. Um, thank God it's Friday. Jeff Goldblum started as Tony in that movie, so that was one of Jeff's early roles. So I was. I, I had n- really no idea of a lot of these guys and, and people who are in this film. Uh, but you know, diving into a little bit of Donna Summer and, and just seeing what she's done as far as her career, that was a lot of fun. But yeah. Um, it, you, there's a lot. There's a lot of uh, names and a lot of cast members in this whole film who are profiled. A lot of big ones. A lot of people that have gone on to do some big things. All right. So thank God it's Friday. Which, by the way, you can watch on Amazon. So there's a great way for people to check it out. If they've never seen it before. You can add it to the list. That was on the original list, huh? That's exactly right. It was on Tubi also. So that's where I got a chance to watch it for free. Um, so yeah, highly recommend it. Also, if you want to watch it on YouTube, I think bits and pieces of it are on there. But just download Tubi. It's free. Fantastic. All right. Uh, 52 now past the hour. Has Jason ever seen the movie? Just out of curiosity. No, but I'm going to watch it now because uh, I'm, I'm all into that disco era. I like that stuff. Do you like movies that also have a great uh, just a great score? Because this one, I mean, look, if Donna Summer oh, yeah. starring in it, yeah. you know it's going to be good. Yeah. I, when I looked at the cast list, I was like, Donna's okay. I'm sold automatically. Automatically. Just because I saw her name. I'm with you. And by the way, won an Oscar for Best Music and Best Original Song. So there you go. Yeah, just Thank a God great, great soundtrack all across the board. That's why I liked it. Yeah, I, I, I have I, to see it now. I know why you like You liked it because it was an hour and a half. That's why you liked it. In and out, and you're done. <laughs> Stack those movies over the weekend. You better, you. you better believe it. All right. Um, Duke Keith will join us uh, coming up in less than 10 minutes from now when he begins our 5 o'clock hour here on the show. Um, I do want to get your reaction because you said you were watching a lot of sports over the weekend, a lot of NBA among everything else. Look. I'm okay, I guess, that the NBA you know spaces out the finals, but I love the NHL model. They play every other day. I just don't understand why the NBA can't adopt this. Yeah, I like this model, too, for hockey. It's just nonstop. Like, you're not forgetting about the series in the middle of the week. Now it's a very weird format, a Wednesday-Friday format this week for the NBA Finals, whereas hockey, you just flip on TNT every night, and you're going to watch some pucks. Like, that's what I like about playoff hockey right now. And it's been entertaining. That Lightning Rangers game was very entertaining. Uh, Tampa Bay seems lethal at home. So, yeah, as far as scheduling and TV formats, uh, hockey wins big time. I'm with you on that one. Maybe that's one of the reasons why, you know, for hockey fans, they don't get as uh, as aggravated because they don't have to keep looking the calendar and try to figure out what game is going to be played on what day. They yeah. know. And they and they don't factor in anything with travel. Like they're going out to Edmonton today. No no yep. problem with that at all. Hour 2 coming up. Duke Keith next as Sports Talk continues. 600 ESPN El Paso. Start of hour number 2 here on Sports Talk. Welcome back everybody. He's Adrian Broadus. I'm Steve Kaplitz. Jason Craig is with us as well. Thank you, Jason, being here. Thank you. You're hearing a lot of uh, those two starting Wednesday. And then Friday, what a day it's going to be. Adrian's in California. I'm in New York. You might hear this band, X-1, our local pals, Christian and David. But Duke Keith's going to be hosting the show with Lou Romano that day. <laughs> Could that be the could greatest be. two and a half hours of sports talk radio ever. It's it could be epic. It really could be. I agree. The addition of Lou is just. I mean, he's 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 like the X factor in any 
He's he's the straw that stirs the drink. And apparently, and the drink could be 180 proof. It could be. <laughs> and, and you know what the best part is? You never know what's going to come out of his mouth, which no. is part of the other reason why I'm excited to have the two of you guys together for two and a half. It's incredible. Jason, be ready with the uh, with the dump button. <laughs> no, he's not that way. He's a pro. He's a pro. Has Jason ever used the dump button before? Well, uh, I didn't even know that was a thing that existed. So okay, uh, let's Duke. Why don't we explain the dump button and also give Jason the history of the dump button on sports talk, since that directly involves you? Yes, it does. The very, very, it's amazing. The very first day that we actually officially had a dump button. It's a seven second delay. So what you're hearing through the airwaves is actually seven seconds after we say it. Uh, and the dump button is, you know, we got our first one, I think, about 1993. Uh, we had been live, so if anybody decided to, you know, to, to be, to say certain things, I, you know, sorry. Sorry, FCC. Sorry. But uh, the very first day that we had the dump button, I had to use it on myself. Oh. <laughs> I transposed the letters, the first letters of the phrase, first puck. Mm. Yeah, mm. and that was mm. uh, right. And I have to be careful actually remembering well, what we I can, said. We can always take care of it now, but we that could, is we could. But that yes. is pretty good. Yes. Oh. So that is the history of the dump button on 600 ESPN El Paso, and it doesn't directly involve. It does directly involve me. Incredible. I don't think very Adrian, first day. Adrian, you never heard that story before, have you? Never, never heard this story. So I am. I'm laughing back here. I can't believe it, Duke. That's uh, that's great. Well, hey, yeah. it happens to the best of us, right? Yeah. It, it, well, I don't know about the best of us, but it happened to me. <laughs> I know that. <laughs> best might be a very relative term, especially if you use the you have the dump button put in and you have to use it on yourself the very first day. Man, oh, so. that's such a classic. Oh, oh it really is. Bye. Uh, I remember that story. That's why I wanted to set you up with it perfectly. Okay. And I appreciate that. With you and Lou, who knows what's going to happen. Yeah, there's no telling. How quickly can we reset the dump button? I guess we'll find out on Friday. We'll see how long how it, it takes. It takes a little bit, yeah. The, the, the old oh, one the way, did anyway. Yes. Uh, just so you know, you're in control. You oh. do have a oh, portable. I don't, uh, nice. Just in case you need it. Portable uh, dump button over there. Let's make sure it still works. But yeah, yeah absolutely. That's, that's exactly right. Um <laughs> What a weekend it was for uh, uh, fans uh, of soccer. First off, we had the U.S. men's national team last night in a yeah. friendly. Yes. Scoreless draw, yeah. which, is, which happens eh, in soccer. I know. Were you, were, you expecting, good. were you expecting something? Were you expecting them to win? Let's put it that way. No, I wasn't expecting them to win. Uruguay is good. Yeah. Uruguay is undefeated uh, in X number of games, at least in like uh, through World Cup qualifying. Uh, uh, they, they drilled Mexico like 3-0. And it was uh, it was not it was not pretty on that night, but um, solid effort for for the United States. Uh, they looked good. Yeah, crowd was behind them. It was nice to see. Uruguay brought in the the big artillery, the heavy artillery for like for the final fifteen to twenty minutes of that game. Guys like Edinson Cavani, who's plays for Manchester United. I mean, there's dudes for Real Madrid. It there was star power all over the pitch over the final fifteen to twenty minutes of that match, and uh, they almost got the goal there at the very last too. So uh, I would not have been surprised to see the United States lose one or two nil. Okay, but uh, they looked good, and I would say like the last part of the first half, they looked really good. Lots of creativity. Uh, looked pretty solid through the the first parts of the second half as well. But then you know things kind of got bogged down. Changes are made. It's getting yeah. hot. The guys have been running for all that time, or they're gassed. I mean. You get seven substitutions or six. There was supposed to be six. I think there was a seventh for Uruguay, I which was so kind too. of funny. 
But, uh, yeah, it was okay. It was okay. all right. That's good. So here's my next question. My next question is this. Do you feel, after watching their performance, do you feel good heading into the World Cup that this could be one of the best U.S. teams that we've had in a long time? Yes, I think it could be. It could be good. Uh, they've got to score. They've got to find a way to score. They've, they need a forward, a, a target forward, a number nine. Uh, and the series of guys that they've been trying to run out in that role just haven't produced. Uh, Jesus Ferreira, the, 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 the latest uh, the guy from FC Dallas who basically took over for Ricardo Pepe, mm-hmm. who was the last guy right. that they wanted to really have show up. And, and nobody's been able to grab a hold of that. And uh, as the target nine, as the guy who's going to score you goals, they can score goals. There are plenty of very talented people. I, I mean, Christian Pulisic, uh, the, the touches he was showing through the last couple of matches were, were incredible. But uh, that's the one thing I'm worried about. They've got, you've got to put the ball in the back of the net. That's got to happen. And, uh, and England is a very good team. They should be able to do decently well against Wales. But, you know, Christian Bale's a very, very good, talented player. Uh, if, if they're not careful, they could uh, have some troubles getting out of the group stage. I would expect that they should. Uh, they should call, They should get into the second round, and I think if they don't, that is a huge, huge disappointment with the way things have gone and as many stars as they have playing in Europe these days. Pepe did put the ball into the back of the net when he first got called up right. and really kind of took the U.S. national team by storm right yes. out of the gate. Why do you think um, his production slowed? Was it just teams getting a chance to, to learn a little bit more about him and making the proper adjustments, or is it uh, is it just so difficult to try to keep that up on a match by match basis. Sure, I think that's that's part of it. Um, I think that you know he, he doesn't need much to make something happen, but you do need a little service. And then of course you know he had a horrible run of form after he moved to, to FC Augsburg. Yes, he did. Uh, and uh, I don't think he scored a goal uh, the entire time he was there. If if if, if is he, he did, still it was like there or is he gone? Yeah. No, no, he's he's still there. He signed a contract, right? But, so, so he's I mean, playing there. He's, but, but, he's their player. But ultimately, it hasn't worked out for Not him uh, like we all thought it would right. when he took when he took the op- he took the job he took the chance, right? Exactly, and he took a chance. Um, I think that you know they were relegated, I believe. Uh, so they, no, they weren't. They survived relegation. They survived relegation. They were like second to last <sighs> on the relegated list after well, he great. first after he first got there. Well, yeah. if they can make an investment to somebody get, to, to get him the ball, then then maybe we could see what they can do. But I think everybody kind of thought that that might be a problem when he went over because uh, you know service to the forwards was kind of a thing. They just they they'd get to the attacking third and just kind of fizzle out. Mm-hmm. So that's he needs service. He needs somebody to give him the ball in good places, and then he can make some good things happen. So you know hopefully they're able to to get something moving. And and the and the fact that he'll be playing in the Bundesliga next year is great. That's Could- a good thing. A whole season of off season of work and uh, and a whole you know a whole season at that top level. Do you see Pepe as a lock to make the roster for the World Cup Not itself? All. Not at all. All right. I think it has a lot to do with uh, with the way Greg Berhalter, the head coach, is talking about it. Uh, it's about what your club form is, how good you're playing in any particular time. Now the Bundesliga will have started up, and if he sets the world on fire, well then sure he'll be called into camp. Absolutely. Uh, but uh, right now he's kind of off the radar a little bit, which is kind of sad. It is sad because for a guy that not only came on board but then became the number 9 as quickly as he did to just completely fall right out of favor is tough because everybody around here, this remember, 
Yeah. It was Pepe mania. Before Ivan Melendez, it was Ricardo Pepe around here. Absolutely, and with good reason. I mean, the kid grew up in San Elizario. I mean, he's been gone from this from this area of the country since he was 13. Yeah. So Five, six years. Yeah, six years or so. He's 19 or so now. But uh, but uh, he was absolutely the man. And uh, and it's just, I think, you know, strikers are up and down. Strikers are judged by the goals they put in the back of the net. And if they're not putting the goals in the back of the net, well, then what's wrong with this guy? What's wrong with him? You know? And uh, And the world comes to an end. So, you know, he could turn it around, put a couple in in his first couple of games in the Bundesliga, and say, oh, there's Ricardo Pepe. He's right back in it. It's, it's just that quick. It's, merc- it's mercurial, I think would be a good way to put it. At the same time, when you said it best, he did not meet expectations no, he when he was at Augsburg. So that, no. that is, and they promoted him like crazy around here. It was sure. all you saw was Twitter craziness for Pepe around uh, the States because Augsburg was trying to get and capitalize on that. But when you don't score, it makes it really difficult That's to kind job. of. Yeah, exactly right. That's, That's exactly. your job is to put the ball in the back of the net. And it just didn't happen. And, and again, yeah, there, it's problematic. If, if, Augsburg, if Augsburg can make a move, to get some service into him as their as their target forward, then maybe he can make some things happen. But uh, I mean, the way that team is built right now, it's it's going to be a little tougher, and it's going to challenge him. I think to maybe be able to to you know get better at different things so that he can help, so that he can help his teammates and help himself in the long run. Hundred percent right. Duke Keith with us right now. We started off uh, talking a little, uh, you know, Team USA, U.S. Men's National Team, and now we'll seg into. Uh, Locomotive FC. You called the match uh, this past week. You have since yeah. the day one. And um, you tell me, you lose um, one Diego, and then you pick <laughs> up another one who happens to be 16 years old. He's in El Paso as part of the uh, Development Academy, and he nets the only goal that ends up making Sports Center's top 10. It's incredible. Um, and, and for that to be your first goal in your third professional match, at the age of 16, but I have to say, I mean, talking with my broadcast partner, Heidi Mocha, uh, who played at a very high level herself, she was extremely impressed with the way he pulled the trigger as a substitute. Kid, been, kid was on the pitch for, for all of three minutes when he scored his goal, and uh, he could have scored another one. If he'd had a little swerve on it, it could have been one from, like, I think he sent that in from about 35 yards, and it challenged the keeper a little bit. Um, in the end, a safe enough save, but he looked sharp, he looked ready, he looked like he was ready to make, you know, like he had an idea of what he wanted to do next as soon as he got the ball. And uh, that, he showed some real panache uh, for being 16 years old. And that was just amazing. Kind of a full circle moment for yours truly. It was really neat. I was going to say, it's exciting. And then you kind of wonder, okay, is Abarca someone that has a chance to gain a bigger role? How difficult is it to take a 16-year-old kid and throw him out there in in matches where you could easily have players twice his age on yeah. the pitch going up against him? Richie Ryan's 20 years older than he is. There you go. 36. But, I mean, yeah, and that's, that's, that's the problematic part is when you put academy players on the pitch – how well are they going to perform for you? I think that the, the game plan is always to keep things as simple as you can. But Diego Barca is kind of unique because he is a, he's a playmaking midfielder. So those guys have to have an idea of what they want to do with the ball creativity, yeah. uh, you know, creatively they, speaking. And they have those too, right? Dylan Mayer is Dylan another Mayer's one. Dylan is an excellent one. Exactly Sebastian right. Velasquez, when they get him healthy, that's will be one. another one. Yep. Uh, so there's, you know, that's the that was the problem. And it's why they had, what, four academy players out of the six they had on the roster got onto the pitch to play, uh, and one started. 
um, and, and did very well. You know, it's it's just a limited role. You you do your job. I think that John Hutchinson is just trying to keep them in there. But the fact that they had these guys and they were they've been schooled right here in El Paso as part of Locomotive Academy, I think speaks volumes not only as to how far the academies come, but it speaks volumes as to kind of the, the, the kind of talent that we have in the city and always have had that they have trusted four guys from who were you know just finishing high school. There are two of them that just graduated from Kenneth U and Franklin. I think another one from Coronado, and then uh, and then the Diego Abarco is sixteen. That they trust these kids enough to come on the pitch and play a professional soccer match, I think, is just great. But prior to three or four years, if you were a phenom, chances are you were probably going to play with the Patriots. That was the true test. because Yeah, exactly right. And now you're one level below MLS, and you're starting to realize that, hey, these are players that all have unbelievable opportunities if they could continue to grow and excel here in El Paso. Well, that was the thing about the Patriots is they always gave local guys a chance. That was you know, kind of what they were there for, mm-hmm. uh, especially when they dropped down to Premier Development. Those are usually college guys. They're, they're, you know, they tend to be pretty large dudes, uh, guys who go to American college and play soccer, always a little bigger, uh, maybe a little faster, but the technical skill from the kids who grew up here in El Paso with the ball on their feet, you can't beat it. And, and we're seeing it now. Locomotive is, it's so wonderful to have the program uh, that gives these kids an opportunity, not only through the academy, but now on the first team. But, you know, the Patriots back in the day were that up till uh, I think they quit in 2014. But they'd been around for 22 years by that yep. point, and there were lots of great black guys, including Diego Abarca's dad. That's crazy. <laughs> that, was, that, that comes full circle. Juan Abarca was, uh, I watched, he basically kind of the same player, creative midfielder, dangled around the edge of the box a little bit and, uh, and, and got a couple of goals that way. So you've actually called a second-generation uh, yes. talent now for El Paso soccer. Which is why I say it was a very full-circle moment for me because it was like, yeah, I was around to watch his dad score goals as the public address announcer for Patriot soccer back in the day. There's no Buzzards players who have now uh, had a son who are hockey, <laughs> uh, Rhino hockey players. Corey Heon's daughter, Cameron, who you guys have interviewed, Yep. She would probably be the closest to that. I know uh, Chris McKenzie, the, uh, the the great center, uh, great centerman for the Buzzards back in the day. His kid is playing juniors. Uh, he would like for him to come to El Paso. Whether or not that happens, I don't know. That would be cool. Uh, but uh, there are some guys. It's kind of getting to that age. Oh my goodness! Where you might see him, but I mean, I'm Cameron Heon is she's playing for Team Mexico for Pete's sake. I know she is a phenom. She is a phenom, and and, and yeah. that's kind of a full circle moment too. Because I called his dad. Called her dad. That's right. Yep. All right, stick around for me. We'll get some more thoughts on the Let's locomotive. Do Duke Keith with us in our Lubingo Studios. More with Duke right after Charlie One, who has this traffic update for us. Continue here on Sports Talk Twenty Three past the hour. Adrian will be back with Sports Center coming up here in a little bit. We're talking uh, about. El Paso Locomotive FC right now with the play-by-play voice of uh, Locomotive Soccer, along with Heidi Mocha. You guys make a great team, by the way. Thank you. We appreciate it. Happy to have Rachel Phillips along for the ride, too. She's been wonderful, hasn't she? She really has, and uh, is, is, is thrilled to have it, uh, have the opportunity, and we're thrilled to have her. Uh, just to have somebody who kind of knows that you know, sideline role, uh, she does a very good job. That's awesome. Well, you yes. know, it's funny. Rachel is kind of like a, a sports reporter at heart. That's what she wants to do more Absolutely. of. So you get Rachel involved in this, plus getting a chance to cover a team whose head coach and technical director happens to be Australian like her, even yeah. better. Yeah, it's fun for her. I know that. And uh, they, they talk things over quite a bit. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's good for Hutch as well. I think that, you know, he's a little more willing to speak to, to Rachel. Mm-hmm. Just, you know, familiar accents and all. That's so, pretty nice. Pretty uh, 
this club started really slow, was dealing with injuries, yeah. players away from the club, and, and fans were pushing the panic button after the first three, four matches. Then they caught fire, and now they're kind of in that mode where they've, they've scored uh, two of the last three matches, ended in draws. So suddenly, uh, Locomotive FC are uh, six out of 13 in the Western Conference standings, which is good because they're at least they're in the, they're on the playoff side of the table, but... Yes. Um, Duke, you tell me. We've seen we've seen a lot of variations, which tells you number one, in order to have a great season, you got to be healthy, you got to be lucky, and you have to be good. Sure. And if you're two of the three, you got a chance. If you're one of the three, it's going to be tough. And for the locomotive, hey, they um, you know, they haven't been healthy uh, for much of the year. They really haven't. They've had a little luck from time to time. Um, I do think it's a pretty good soccer club, but at the same time, it's such a long season. It's yeah. almost as if how are you going into August, September versus June or July? Absolutely. And there will be other changes, too. I know John Hutchinson's very actively seeking other players, um, and uh, and there will be some new talent. But part, I mean, I think that it's it's a wonderful situation for Locomotive to be in only Indy 11, which is Mark Lowry's new team. Uh, has had three of his players called up for international duty, which Eric Calvillo was gone, uh, Cristiano Francois was gone for Locomotive this last year, and uh, Siobhan John Brown, all on international call-up. And uh, speaking of injuries, Emmanuel Sanupe, who started the season, was it, it was incredible. Uh, he's a, he's beginning to kind of work his way back in. Uh, Sebastian Velasquez had a full day of workouts. Uh, this He started that last week. He should be back soon. So, yes, there's a little bit of injury situation. Very unfortunate for Chaparrera, the kid from El Paso. The guy went to Bel Air. Um, Torres ACL, he's done for the year, but had successful rehabilitation surgery. And uh, and hopefully we'll be back on the pitch next season. But it's just, uh, you know, the injury bug bites here. International call-ups bite there. Um, guys get hurt. They're injury. They're coming back. Andrew Fox uh, was out uh, this last one. He was on the roster and then couldn't make it after warm-ups, and then it was just one of those situations where they're plugging in dudes from the academy right and left. There were six academy players on the roster, and there needed to be. It yep. wasn't even, I think it was like a 17-man roster. So, uh, no, it was 18. It was the full 18. But you had a starter from the academy on the pitch to the, to start, and then five other guys on the bench who were ready to come in later. Wow. So, yeah, and it's it's just been up and down, and there there has been, they have been, I think, consistently any one of or any two of those three things at any one time, but never all three at the same time. And uh, I think that, you know, they the the main glaring thing that they needed to fix was the defense in the very first part of the year. They've done that. Evan Newton now, you see his name in shutout leaders. Uh, he is the USL Championship all-time career uh, leader in terms of that category with 54. Um they couldn't hold. They couldn't hold it to, to get him his fifty fifth last uh, last Saturday, but uh, the defense is there, and they're not really letting in more than one goal at a time. I think Orange County was the last time they let in more than one for a while, and uh, it's now now the deal is scoring goals, and obviously Diego Luna is part of uh, Real Salt Lake. So what are you going to do? It's uh, it's it's kind of out of the frying pan into the fire. So hopefully they get these guys back from international duty. Uh, I'm not sure if they'll have them back for Phoenix this weekend. That's going to be a chore. But they'll have Lucho Solignac back. Lucho having a return to that lineup after his one-game suspension for the red card will be a huge help, and I think that's really what uh, Aaron uh, Aaron Gomez was missing last Saturday was somebody to partner with, somebody to give the ball 
two up front. He was the lone striker, and uh, he, he does better when there's somebody to help facilitate. By the way, speaking of Phoenix, I'm happy you mentioned them. Uh, they're yes. tied with 21 points, although they have two games in hand. But uh, Locomotive FC have a, have a goal differential of eight, where Phoenix Rising is minus five, which is not good. So it no. goes to show you that when, when everything is clicking for Hutch, this is a team that's high-powered, can put a lot of goals on the board, and is dominant. But that, that that's the key is when everything is kind of able to click for them. Well, they were, up until this last weekend, were leading the USL in terms of goals scored, which was nice to see. This, this is a team that can put it on you when they really get moving. Uh, and, and defensively, the, the biggest issue was the defense. Once they got that rounded out and solved, they've been gravy ever since. It's just now a question of scoring goals and, and having a consistent lineup to help you do that. And I think that they're, they're going to get there. For Phoenix Rising, it's, it's been a weird, very off year for them in terms of what we've been used to seeing since they've come into the league. You want to talk about high-powered. That was Phoenix Rising. They have some uh, Achilles heels, and apparently that comes on the wings. So we'll see if Locomotive is able to exploit. I think that, uh, again, some of these guys are just going to be getting back from international duty, so I'm not sure they're going to have the full lineup, but they will have Lucho, and I think that makes a huge difference. And Andrew Fox, too. Thoughts thoughts on uh, Luna going to Real Salt Lake. He had other opportunities, chose there. Uh, 250 is the uh, is what uh, El Paso Locomotive FC nets, which is a record transfer fee for a uh, USL championship player going yes. up to MLS. Some people think that hey, they could have gotten even more because Luna is, Luna is that good, but you feel like uh, Locomotive FC made out well in this. I sure do. I mean, they're a second division squad in the United States. So Diego Luna took his shot as a teenager. Wanted to go to a place where, where he could play, where those games were going to mean something, not somebody's you know academy roster somewhere or whatever. Uh, and he did that, and he made his name for himself, and he got he earned what he got. That that fee is absolutely huge for this level of soccer, and I think he made I think he made a good move. You know, his agent, they all have agents. It's not like he's making this decision by himself or with his dad or something. This was I think a, a well advised move, simply because RSL has a very good. Uh, uh, structure for bringing players along. They've been known to do it and, and make them make that effective. He did get in, like he probably practiced maybe two days, got on a plane, went to Vancouver, and got in for the last couple of minutes of that match. Yeah. So he was on the pitch. They will, they will use him. They want him to be a part of that lineup. And the new ownership of RSL has lots of connections to European soccer, which I think is very intriguing for Diego. You didn't spend that kind of money to keep him on the bench, exactly. let's put it that way, yes. or out of the lineup. Exactly. So, it's a good six-figure income for Diego, good six-figure transfer fee for Locomotive. Everybody's a winner here, I think. I'll wrap it up with Duke. i got one more question, but we'll do that right after SportsCenter with Adrian. It's coming up here 31 past as we continue. Thank you, Steve. UTEP basketball received a commitment from Chipola College transfer Carlos Lemus over the weekend to round out their roster. Second-year head coach Joe Golding had a task to retool the roster that saw 10 players depart from last year's roster, and they had one player graduate in Alfred Hollins. The Miners have now filled 13 scholarships with Lemus taking the final one for the Miners. You can read about it online, 600ESPNElPaso.com, as UTEP basketball grabbed 
Crabs, Chipola transfer guard Carlos Lemus. Let's go over to the college baseball. Actually, let's head over to the college baseball scoreboard right now. This is number three, Oregon State leading Vanderbilt, 7-6 to six at the top of the eighth. Out over to this one, Ole Miss leads Arizona 10-5 to five at the top of the sixth. Going on also right now, number 10, North Carolina leads VCU 7-1 to one at the bottom of the fourth. UConn leading number 15, Maryland, 2-1 at the bottom of the first early into that game. Just getting underway, number 7, Oklahoma State taking on Arkansas. No score so far in that one. Final from earlier, number 12, Louisville defeated Michigan 11-9. And also a final, East Carolina beating out Coastal Carolina 13-4. East Carolina ranked 8th in the country. Let's head over to the college softball scoreboard right now. Middle of the second, still no score between number 7, Oklahoma State, and Texas. This one televised on ESPN as part of the Women's College Base, uh, the College Softball World Series, a double elimination round. Also from earlier today, UCLA beat out Oklahoma 7-3 to and oh, and that was um, also Oklahoma earlier today beat out UCLA 15 to nothing in that doubleheader. That's look at your Sports Center update. I'm Adrian Broaddus. Adrian, thank you very much. We're back with uh, Duke Keith talking El Paso Locomotive FC soccer here on the show as we continue you uh, all right um you've been great appreciate that can't Thank wait you. uh for for friday i'm telling you and i know you're excited we're excited about that that podcast is going to be legendary adrian let's make sure we uh, since we're both going to be out that that show gets uh gets worth you know the, the treatment it deserves and that's going to be preserved for all of eternity okay oh dear yes we Thank will you. definitely make sure that happens okay good duke yes. um Outside of a match against New York Red Bulls 2 on Saturday, June 25th, which will be your next match, this club plays four of its next five on the road. This is such a big stretch for this team because if they could figure out a way to piece together a couple of road W's and and get those three points on top of beating uh, New York, that would absolutely put them in a terrific position heading into the month of July. Points on the road are, are great, and anytime you can get any kind of result on the road, whether it's one or three, is is wonderful. Locomotive has traditionally done pretty well on the road. Through the Mark Lowry years, they, they were just they were hard to play against, hard to score against. And this team is kind of getting that mojo back defensively. That'll carry them on the road. Defense will carry you on the road more than anything else, whether or not the offense shows up. Um, and, and that's, I think, going to be the biggest issue. Who's going to be healthy? Who's going to be ready to go? Uh, again, we point out Lucho Solignac uh, on a red card suspension this last Saturday. But uh, he'll be back in the lineup when they go to play Phoenix, which has not had a great year. I'm very excited for the weekend after that, Saturday morning, 10 in the morning here in El Paso, they will be the very first locomotive, uh, along with Detroit City FC, which is making its uh, inaugural season. Uh, and they're having, having a great year, too. They really are. They jumped up from NISA, uh, which was an independent league. It's a fan-funded team. That place is absolutely bonkers. Keyworth Stadium is, is a great place to watch a soccer match. That's going to be the very first USL Championship match on ESPN, on oh, linear wow. television, ever. And uh, locomotive gets the honor because of how well they play on the road, I think, in part. And because Detroit City uh, gets to host, and uh, that's that was going to be a heck of a matchup uh, in the beginning anyway. Uh, and Detroit City has been full value all season long since they've jumped up from Nisa this year. And it's by the way, great. and by the way, if you look at the road trip, um, really outside of Detroit, they're all winnable matches. Sure, they are. Well, and Detroit's not. I mean, Detroit hasn't set the world on fire either. I think everything's a winnable match for Locomotive if they, you know, if the right uh, pieces are able to click together. 
if they can find some uh, some consistency, uh, some more creativity in the midfield, Diego Luna's. I mean, that's that's just a big hole. Huge to have that happen right in the middle of your season. Uh, it's it's wonderful to have somebody like Sebastián Velázquez to be a part of that. But uh, they're they're going to need they're going to need some more pieces, more pieces to the puzzle this year. Maybe the academy produces even more than you realize. There are a lot of kids. I think that there's another kid, Diego Garcia, who did not see action Saturday for summer. I forget what was going on with him. Maybe high school graduation. <laughs> who knows what happened to these kids? But him and Diego Barca, there's going to be some uh, some talent coming through the pipeline that I'm just I'm very excited about. Locomotive Academy has uh, done great. They've they've hired new coaching staff and uh, and these dudes are really bringing it together. But I mean, you want to talk about from Omar Salgado, the very first locomotive player ever, yeah. top draft pick in 2011 for the Vancouver. What first time an El Paso has ever been picked number one in anybody's draft, and probably the only time that's going to happen. Maybe baseball it could happen uh, for a phenom, but uh, but Omar was the first from him to Mikey Ambrose, uh, Aaron Guillen, Alejandro Zendejas. Ricardo Pepe, Chris Garcia, Jaziel Orozco. Uh, there are a bunch of El Paso players who are playing professionally, either at Major League Soccer or trips to Europe, and they're getting there. The pipeline is there. Locomotive is ready to bring them along, and that's that's going to be exciting. Are you calling the Rhinos All-Star Game this Saturday? I On the public address. We're not doing play-by-play for that, but I will be on the PA because our buddy uh, Jacob Miles, who does the Rhinos usually, will be out with the Chihuahuas, so I will be on the microphone they're at uh, the the event center for that one. Very nice. Have you done Have you done PA before? Oh yeah, okay. I did it for a few years or a few uh, games uh, a couple of three years ago. Nice. It was it was fun. Yeah, we look forward to that one. How was season one in the NAHL? Both uh, you know Rhinos, the development team, and then the uh, main team. The NA three. It was funny because both teams had their issues at least to start. The NA three really got things together. They were South Division champions in the NA three, uh, and in both the NA three and in the NAHL. They call the South the Dirty South because that, I mean, there's just grinding hockey and uh, usually ends up uh, being, you know, contenders for the championship. Uh, I think the NAHL season was a disappointment, but they've, they've changed coaching staffs. Um, and uh, I think it's just a matter of that, that's the thing. The higher up you go, the more known, the uh, known a quantity a player is. Yeah. So everybody knows about these guys at that level. You know who these dudes are. Sure. You know who the players are. And it's really hard to go recruit those guys because, you know, they have their opportunities, especially in the Midwest and Northeast where they play a lot of hockey. You're getting a kid to decide to want to come down to El Paso, Texas on the other border and come play the sport that they've grown up playing, you know, where they go play pond hockey in the wintertime. That's different. So it's going to be some recruiting, but I think that uh, they're going to get there because this is a program that's determined to do exactly that. And contend, and uh, and that's what they want to do. And I think, you know, playing in front of a sellout crowd every time you step on the ice, yep. even with a free exhibition, they'll drop thousands of fans for that. That It just impresses the heck out of the parents. They make a positive impression the more they're around and the more they're at this level. I think that they're on the way up there. Did you notice the big difference in talent from the NHL versus the Western oh, States? Yes, it's incredible. And you notice it. You see it because I call the NA3 games, too. Mm-hmm. You notice the different level from, from the NA to the NA3. Yeah. The, I mean, just the consistency, the size, the speed. The New Mexico Ice Wolves, which won the South and was among the final four for the Robertson Cup in the NAHL, I'm not sure they had a dude under six foot tall. At least it didn't seem that way. They had some, like, NHL size. Not NHL, you know, skill and, and speed, that's a different thing. But there were some dudes who were like 6'3", 6'4", 6'5", on skates. It's just 
crazy to see those guys. And that's what it was funny when we had the exhibition, the, the Stars versus the uh, the Coyotes yes. for Hockeyville. They were talking about it. Uh, uh, just you know, people would ask me after the. Do, do we have a regulation hockey rink? Regulation size hockey rink? I think width might be an issue, but but length, it's a regulation size hockey rink. Wow. And these dudes just, I mean, they get up the ice so fast because they're so large. It's just a, it's a world of difference. I asked Corey that, and they said no. Length and width is exactly an NHL rink. This is it. Just it doesn't seem like it because right. they're so large, and we're not used to it here in El Paso. Like these guys, three strides, and they're on the other side of the ice. Yes. it's incredible. And the NHL. Not quite at that level, obviously. It's the NHL, but uh, you do notice a huge difference, I think. Have fun Friday. Thanks for dropping in. Thank you. Absolutely. Duke Keith, folks, you'll you'll catch him on Friday with Lou Romano. It's going to be a fun two and a half hours of sports talk and uh, definitely appointment listening, I would say that for sure. (laughs) We'll come back. Uh, Wayne Thornton's about 20 minutes away. Sports Talk continues right here on 600 ESPN El Paso. Folks, two down, one to go. You just heard Adrian Broadus. Jason Craig is here with us right now, producing the show for you. If you would like to weigh into the show, 915-505-6009. That is our telephone number, 915-505-6009. You can also tweet the show at 600 ESPN El Paso or connect with us on our free mobile app powered by United Bank. Looking at the messages coming in earlier. Not Emilio with a um, message. Another movie, since he was talking about Adrian's movie reviews earlier. In that era, but far superior, in my opinion, is Car Wash. Cameos early with Richard Pryor and George Carlin and an unbelievable soundtrack for the 70s. Great show, Steve. Thank you, Not Emilio. We appreciate that. Uh, Adrian, is Car Wash on the list? They are now. It is now. Should have been. Oh, that's a classic. I just saw Wayne Thornton smile when he heard uh, Car Wash. <laughs> Wayne, did you, ever, did you enjoy Car Wash? Yeah, but I still, I still want to see if he's uh, seen the movie. Thank God it's Friday, man. He's just reviewed it today. Just reviewed it today, Wayne. I'm sorry, I was driving. I'll send. I'll send you. A, I'll send you something on He'll it. He'll send you the link. He'll send yeah. you the MP3. He gave it seven out of ten bananas. How about that? Hey, that's not bad. Do you Especially like that movie? Adrian. You like Thank God It's Friday? That's 10 out of 10, brother. That's one of your all-time faves. Oh, yeah. Disco era, man. Donna Summer? Shoot. That's, a, that's the bomb. And Jeff, a young Jeff Goldblum in that movie as Tony. Yeah, now look what's coming out this weekend. Jeff Goldblum again. I know. With the dinosaurs. Maybe this will be the end of Jeff Goldblum. Well, it's, it's, the last, <laughs> it's, it's the last Jurassic movie, so this could be the end of Jeff Goldblum. He'll never go away. (laughs) No, that's 100% correct. Uh, Also, uh, this came out uh, also on the app from Pinky out in Santa Teresa. So are UTEP men's basketball big men, uh, if any? I think he's asking about the men's bigs. And, Adrian, we addressed that near the end of the hour. We talked about the UTEP minors that uh, looking at this team on paper, it is definitely going to be a team that they are going to rely primarily on their guards for scoring. And just to be a little fair to this UTEP philosophy, we've seen colleges across basketball now go with a smaller lineup with guys who are 6'10", 6'9", not necessarily your 7-foot centers out there, but still, I, I know UTEP fans know, and, and you know this history has shown that uh, when a big man is successful down low, that usually the team can have a lot of success too. That's exactly right. Again, you can also um, connect with us, like you just heard, uh, from Not Emilio and from Pinky by listening to our mobile app powered by United Bank. Wayne Thornton's back with us. Hey, uh, Wayne, it is great to see you. And um, 
some of the toughest job you you know jobs you've done over the years. Even now, remember you're retired. You uh, stepped down from El Paso Parks and Rec. Uh, what is it? One or two years now? Two years. Two years, but you're still involved in high school athletics like you've always been, even though you're not working at Parks and Rec. Yeah, I was fortunate. I retired just before the pandemic started, February of 2020. Yeah, you were fortunate. Wow. Hard, is it hard to believe? Yeah, it really is. And you're still doing a lot of some of the same stuff you've always done before, right? Well, I'm very lucky with the El Paso Athletic Hall of Fame. You know, you have Dr. Scott Stein, who's the president. Previously, you had uh, Edmund Stansbury, and then you had Ruben Ramirez. Some great guys as the president leading the Hall of Fame, and I'm very fortunate to have been able to work with them. Yep. And they've allowed me to be able to still do the high school student athletes of the year, which we just year, uh, this year we renamed the Ray Sanchez oh, High School that. Student Athletes of the Year. Ray Sanchez, of course, many people may not know. Can you imagine, Steve? He was 94 years of old when he passed. No, I can't. And over 65 years he was involved in sports. Can you imagine? No. This guy was around forever. No, that's, inc- Just, that, that's, that's, that's incredible when you start to think about how many years he was involved. And probably nobody more fitting to have an award like that named after him than Ray. Oh, definitely so. And can you imagine how many articles, how many columns he wrote over the years? No. This man was amazing. And, of course, he survived by his wife, Helen, four children, nine grandchildren, nine great-grandchildren, just a great human being, Ray Sanchez. And we're glad to have the Student Athletes of the Year named after him. Excellent. Now, as far as the athletes themselves, what goes into the process of choosing this? Because I know a lot of our listeners would like to hear that. It's tough. It really is. It's getting too tough. In fact, uh, when we had the pandemic the last two years, what we did is every school would nominate their student athlete of the year for the male and female, and that would be the honoree for the entire city as far as that particular student athlete. Now we went back to the old format where the El Paso School District, let's say, would nominate their all their student athletes from the school district, and then we take all those student athletes and pick one female and one male. This will be the last year in this particular format because it's just too tough, Steve. I mean, you've got some amazing, as you know, athletes in the high school level, not only as athletes but also as students. They're getting a 105.2 grade average. It's just off the chart. And then what they do in the civic responsibility in our community, they give back so much. I don't think people understand how, just how difficult it is. Do you? They don't. It really is. It's tough. It really is. And then you have all the different sports. What's a football player? as opposed to a basketball player or True. a basketball player for a baseball player. Or, you know, you just have all these different sports in there. It's tough. It just, it just really is too tough. Now, it's funny you mentioned uh, just how good they are in the classroom on top because that's so important. You know, people pride themselves on the field or on the court, but the classroom to, is, is what sometimes sets uh, one athlete apart from the other. You're definitely right because uh, this is really what this award is about, not so much the athlete, athlete themselves but also what they do in the classroom because, uh, and also what they do in the community. Mm-hmm. And we're very proud to be able to do that. We honor 10 individuals, five females, five males, one from the El Paso School District, one from the Slitter School District, one from Socorro School District, and one from the small schools and one from the county schools. So it's a great opportunity for us to be able to put spotlight on these great athletes and great individuals as human beings. And uh, nominations come from their coaches? Coaches, administrators, a little bit of everybody. 
And the process of narrowing it down has to be just, uh, I don't want to say excruciating, but it probably is at times when you really start to look at it and, and, and understand how close these races are from one athlete to another. It's a gauntlet. It really is. And that's why this will be the last year doing it in this format, because these students and these athletes deserve better in terms of being able to just say, you know what, if you represent your school, you're the student athlete of the year. Because if the school has their own type of criteria for selecting that particular athlete, uh, who are we to say that they're not on the standard of all the other ones within their school district? Let's put everybody in the pot and say congratulations and uh, get ready to graduate, have a good time, and enjoy college. Do you sometimes have people tell you, um, uh, like parents upset that their son or daughter did not uh, make this? Is it Does it get that competitive? Well, I've been doing this for 32 years. It never happened. That's great to hear. 32 years, and it's never happened. Good. We've been doing this entire event 41 years as far as picking this uh, student athlete of the year. Okay, but you've been involved 32 of the 41 years. Yes, sir. All right. Um, as far as uh, this year uh, goes, they're all going to be uh, honored at uh, the El Paso Athletic Hall of Fame banquet. Yeah, well, and that's another thing too, Steve. It's a little different this year because, as you mentioned about the banquet, we have the news conference the day before. So this year they decided to honor them at the news conference okay. before the banquet. So all these student-athletes and the teams of the year, let's mention them as well because we have four this year, teams of the year will be honored at the news conference uh, so that uh, the spotlight at the banquet will be on the honorees as far as being inducted in the Paso Athletic Hall of Fame. And then the athletes as far as the high schoolers will be They'll be the spotlight at the news conference. Excellent. So now, um, are we also honoring teams themselves or just the individual athletes? We're offering also honoring also the high school teams of the year. There's four of them this year. First, the state champions from San Elizario High School for cross country, back-to-back. And, of course, Cesar Morales has done an amazing job there. San Elizario, always good. Second, we have the Cathedral High School swim team. Uh, how can you go wrong when those gentlemen uh, do amazing things every year with Calvin Zielsdorf as their coach? And then you have the Cathedral High School tennis team under Coach Sergio Acosta. They also won this year. And our fourth team of the year, which just unfortunately lost this past weekend, but what a great story, Cinderella story with America's High School and their softball team getting to the Final Four. And the criteria for being team of the year is to get to the Final Four in the UIL playoffs or to win a state championship. And, of course, that's how those four teams qualified. And I guess it just goes to show you that we do have teams every year that are worthy of being in this discussion. Oh, amazing. And, and, you know, the coaches that do all the things that they do all year round, the administrators that make it possible for them to have the opportunity to do these things, and, of course, the amazing athletes themselves. It's, it's really a tribute to what they do because Texas is the best in the state of the whole nation. And for what we're able to accomplish against this outstanding competition, we applaud them. America's was so close in that Final Four game in Austin. Uh, and they played terrific, terrific. Were you there for that one? I was not there. But, you know, Steve, if you haven't watched softball right now, going on is the College Softball World Series. Yep. Oklahoma's just made it this morning into the national championship game tomorrow. Texas and Oklahoma, in fact, Oklahoma State are playing right now. Mm-hmm. Texas is up 3-0 as I came in here. But you're talking about amazing. If you've never seen a high school or college softball game, you're missing a whole, whole lot because there's, there's some amazing talent in this community.
And it goes to show you also that although football has always been difficult for teams to go deep into the state playoffs, baseball, softball, we've seen basketball final four runs, track, wrestling, uh, tennis, golf. There are plenty of, of programs in El Paso that not only can go deep but can win state titles. Yes, indeed. And, of course, we want to give a shout-out to our very own Larry Vukan, who, once again, South Lake Carroll is in the Final Four for the Texas State Baseball Playoffs. He's the head coach at South Lake Carroll. And, of course, he grew up here in El Paso, went to Eastwood, was a former coach at Franklin. And Larry Vukan, who should be one day in El Paso Athletic Hall of Fame. And he will. He will. Takes time, though. It does. We see it all the time. Larry Vukan was nominated this year, did not get in in the coach administrator category. Going to show you just how difficult it is in some of these categories. And nominated by a gentleman that we both know and this past week retired from KVIA TV Channel 7, Kevin Lovell. Wasn't that great as far as uh, his swan song, the way he walked out with the, all the pageantry, I guess oh, yes. you could say. It was, and all the well, people that came back. I did not see the evening retirement I ceremony. That. I was at the afternoon one where you were at as well. So you went to both, and it was a who's who, that's for sure. Suzanne Michaels, man, that's a legend. Absolutely. She worked for us years ago. She actually hosted a show in mornings, a news radio show with Darren Hunt uh, in those days. Boy, she still looks great. And, you know, all the many people that walked, Paul Sakala was there. Yep. You remember Paul? I saw Paul Sakala. I saw Laura Polka. I saw Plenty. And Gary Warner was there. Estella Casas was there at night. I saw that, too. So would have liked to have been there at night, but was a little busy with this, as you might imagine. But, you know, it was really neat, too, that you, you get all those individuals come back, and then you lose a great one, as far as I'm concerned, in the sports world with Nate Ryan leaving going to San Antonio. Yes. He joined us on Friday's show as well. He's a great guy. When we come back, let's talk about our 10 student-athletes and uh, give uh, everybody that's listening a, a little background on them. What do you say? You got it, Big Steve. Wayne Thornton is with us in our Lubingo studios. More as Sports Talk rolls along. But first, we'll come back right after this. 600 TSPN El Paso. People don't realize this. A lot of us are very, very picky about the headphones we use. Yes, I'm a headphone diva for sure. So I am on my, I've had, this is the original pair, but I'm on either my second or third set of cu- replacement cups for my um, Sony MDR7506s that I think is just, uh, this is the industry standard for, uh, for talk radio. And that's all I ever wear. How long have you had those? Uh, at least now, eight to ten years. Yeah. I've gone through, this is my second cable, three different sets of uh, cups. I mean, they're not expensive. They run about 100 bucks, But still, the point is, hey, they're built to last. This is, uh, this is what it's about. And the sound quality is so good. It's so crisp. It's like once you get into it, you never want to leave. You, you're just, that's what you're stuck. You know, you, you just, it's funny because you said it. You are uh, someone that really shops for headphones. Same with us. It's just different as different medium. 
I'm happy you're happy. That's all that matters. Adrian, what are your headphones of choice? Whatever you can find? Uh, no, I'm a Bose guy. Okay. So if I if I can get my hands on some Bose, but I'm spe- I'm spending for Bose, so I'm a little worried about bringing it to the radio station at times. But I'll tell you this, um, I'm fine with the Shures. I'm I'm really good with those. I think those do the the perfect job. So I usually rock those on a day to day basis. Gotcha, gotcha. All right, uh, Carlos Lemus. He is the final UTEP men's basketball scholarship athlete. And they got themselves a shooter. That's what they wanted. They went to uh, Chipola to get him. Junior college transfer guard uh, from JUCO. Their roster's now done. It's set. Adrian, they're putting a lot of their hopes, a lot of their hopes in their backcourt. Because if you think about it, um, they do have the 6'10 JUCO kid, uh, Derek Hamilton. They um, are bringing back a couple of bigs in Kevin Kalu and also uh, Zarek Onyema. And then they also have the other junior college forward that they drafted, Dos Anjos. But in terms of, like, skilled bigs, they didn't – I mean, it's the second year in a row that unless Hamilton surprises us, they didn't go out and get a skilled big, which really tells you that, uh, like last season – they're going to rely heavily on their guard play uh, for this upcoming year. You know, it's so interesting because I thought that they would go this, you know, for this 13th and final scholarship, Steve. I thought they would go with the sharpshooter. I, I kind of turned the page on the idea of having a skilled big down low, which I still think is a need. I, I don't know if you can solely rely on Zarek Onyema, solely rely on uh, his backups in Kevin Kalu and also Derek Hamilton, like you're mentioning. So I was a little worried about that. But then I thought, okay, well, it, at least, you know, let's see if they can get a knockdown score, a good sharpshooter. And I'm not sure if Carlos uh, Lemus is that. I'm not sure if he's that, um, you know, the guy who's going to hit a three-pointer from beyond the arc. He seems like one of these other guards like they have right now in their roster. Very versatile, plays a lot of defense, can rebound the basketball, can also score at a good level, but not necessarily that Jarrell Satterfield type of player. Maybe more of your Christian Agnew type player. And the philosophy of, of all this, over all of this, is real interesting. Now six junior college players uh, who have a scholarship on the minors roster uh, with some sort of junior college ties. It's it's real interesting that they go this route. It is interesting. You're 100% correct. And uh, of the group, by the way, which also uh, does include um, a couple of walk-ons. The Myers have been able to get some walk-ons as far as, you know, their players and and their roster goes. Um, They have four of their 13 uh, players on the roster are fours or fives. That's what really interests me more than anything, Adrian, is nine of their 13 scholarship athletes play the one, two, or three. Wow. So this is going to be a smaller team. You're going to have to rely on guys like Calvin Solomon. Remember the guy from uh, Stephen F. Austin to really play maybe bigger than his sizes at six foot six. Same with Dos Anjos. Maybe they go smaller lineups. Maybe that's what Joe Golding has told us through this recruiting process. Sibley, we've got him listed as a three. I mean, because he's less than 200 pounds, I really can't see Sibley ever play in the four. Can you? No, I don't. And uh, he's got to bulk up. uh, But six foot eight, I mean, gosh, he still might be one of the taller players on your team right there. Especially at the three. 
Uh, that is 100% right. So you want to read Adrian's story and check out the latest depth chart. We've got that up right now, 600ESPNElPaso.com. And the Miners are done. Their roster is full. And now we'll uh, end up seeing how the summer goes as players start to arrive and uh, they get uh, a little more experience under their belt before the upcoming season starts. Hey, we got a lot more in store for you. We're all coming back for our final hour, and that uh, will include a visit from Wayne Thornton. Stay with us. Sports Talk continues. 600 ESPN El Paso. Sports Talk. Jason Craig producing the program. Adrian brought us here. I'm a Bose guy. I'm like Adrian on headphones. Are you really? Oh, yeah. You love Bose. Bose Bose and Beats. Good stuff. Good stuff, man. Bose and Beats. Bose and Beats. Yeah. I don't know about the Beats. And throw a little Apple in there. I I can deal with it. You have the AirPods? I do. I got them right here. You like them? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I love them. But I love the Bose to walk. I use Bose, uh, the noise-canceling phones, to fly. That's what I do. I use those to, to fly. I've been using those since the beginning. Isn't it great? It is. You don't hear anything. No, it's nice. Trust me, there are some flights you need them more than anything else, right? <laughs> Especially now. Yes, that is 100% <laughs> yeah. correct. Yeah. Uh, so, no, I'm with you on that one. Oh, yeah, that's really cool. <laughs> Wayne Thornton here with us in our uh, 600 ESPN El Paso uh, Lubingo Studios as we continue here on the program. I'm curious, you know, um, Jason is a professional DJ when he's not working with us. Really? Oh, yes. Wow, I'm, I used to DJ. Well, I told you that. I used to DJ. Mobile Back, DJ, too. Did you really? Oh, that was yeah. So before you got involved with Parks and Rec. I was with Parks and Rec when I was doing the DJing. Good Times Discotheque, man. Really? Nations told me we had the place packed, rocking out, man, in the park, inside. Oh, you see, it was... Oh, yeah. Was man. that back in the days when you were spinning records uh, via turntable? Oh, yeah. That's the that's the what it was. It was turntable, all turntables. That's it, man. Mm. Yes, indeed. I still got them. I've got probably 13,000 records. Get out. Albums. Albums. Seriously? Albums. Yeah. 13,000. And probably four or 5,000 45s. Good night. I had no idea you had so many oh, yeah. uh, oh, records. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I used to go to Sound Warehouse. Remember Sound mm-hmm. Warehouse? I do. I used to go there all the time. In fact, they used to tell me, hey, Wayne, just come by, and we're going to open at 10, but you come in at 9, pick out what you want. It's yours. You were VIP at Sound Warehouse. Oh, I was. Hey, man. That was rocking. Can you imagine? Uh, Jason, uh, can you imagine having 13,000, um, 30, you know, 33s albums and another uh, 5,045s? How do you move houses? That's a great question. How do you move? I don't. I have never. I've lived in the same place since 1976. There's your answer. See, you can't. You can't move with that because no. that, like you have to pack that first. Exactly. And You're when right. you go into a new house, you have to find. Uh, you got to find a house that has a room for just the records itself, or and two then rooms. everything else. Yeah. You have. You have two rooms devoted just to records. One. Okay. One. Yes. But and the room is completely like there is no room to, to to move around. It's all for records. Oh, no, no. It's it's cataloged the whole bit. It's really pretty cool, man. I, I, when can I see? see? I want to go and take a tour of that. I that sounds like fun. It. It's 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 been a good good uh, love affair with albums, I guess you could say. And it music. sounds like it. I never realized you were such an audiophile. Yeah, I, I just keep it to myself. Ah, look at that. Yeah. yeah. That's great. What can I say? All kinds of music. Oh, that's the that's the best thing, Steve. My father, he was in the military. I went to high school in Japan, and he introduced me to all types of music: country, mm-hmm. blues, jazz. I'm not really a blues and jazz guy, but I have some. 
but I was really into, of course, all the typical stuff. But I'm also in the country. I love country. So you've got a lot of country. I've got a lot of CDs too. Uh, so, well, so uh, you know, that's another chart breaker there. You know, when you get to to them. Does the digital age drive you crazy? That you've got so much on vinyl and on CD, and now anything you want is available via digital download. I don't even deal with it today because it's just too much. Really, it really is. The digital download era is is amazing, isn't it? It is instantaneous. But it doesn't make you it doesn't make you crazy that here you have one of the best collections probably ever, and at the same time anything you have is you could also get it via download. No, or you must have you must have some special stuff I'm sure that you can't find some hard to find stuff some out of print stuff. Well, you know the thing is I have an iPhone. I did have a a Android phone. I hated it. Because you couldn't get, to me, I couldn't get the music the way I wanted to. Everything I have is on iTunes that I like, digitally downloaded and whatnot. Mm-hmm. So I love it. So it's all cataloged into my phone, into my iPad, or into my, my computer, whatever it may be. So I have a little backup type system. So nice. it's pretty cool. That sounds really cool. And do you have a very expensive turntable? I would assume you no, do. No, I don't. I really don't. No. I love, you can go off the chart with turntables, but no, nah, I don't. What's your favorite? Give me okay. You you're, you're, you got three records to listen to for the rest of your life. That's it. Only three in your collection. What are your three go tos? My girl, The Temptations. Okay, that's a, that's, a, that, that's not a forty five. That's a record. My girl. Yeah, but this, I still say it's it's it can be a forty five. Gotcha. Too, right? Okay, that's fair. September. You ever heard that by Earth? Wind I have and one Fire? of the great one of the great songs of all time. And I don't know if you've ever heard this song. It's called Desiderata. D-I-S-D-E-R-A-T-A, Desiderata. It's more where he talks throughout the whole It's like a spoken, song, like a, the spoken word? But it's about life, and it's about uplifting you to another level. Never heard it. Who sings it? Les Crane. Okay. L-E-S-C-R-A-N-E. All right. It's amazing. It really is. It's a, it's a, good, it's a good way to listen to music and still be understanding about life. Temptations, Earth, Wind, and Fire, and Les Crane, your all-time top three. That's it, man. All right. I could walk around the world with those three songs. Adrian, we taking uh, we taking some notes here on the show. Yes, uh, my girl is actually going to be our first dance between uh, me and my fiance uh, for a wedding. So there you go. I have taken some notes right there, Wayne. And uh, September, I mean, that's one of the best jams ever. Oh. September is the rock and roll. I mean, anybody loves September. Anybody loves September. I will say this, too, okay? One of the greatest live concerts you will ever see, Earth, Wind, and Fire. I saw them both. I saw two, two great ones, Earth, Wind, and Fire and Chicago, twice. They were together. In fact, Earth, Wind, and Fire played some Chicago songs, and Chicago played some Earth, Wind, and Fire songs. Very nice. Oh, my gosh. Steve, I saw them in Albuquerque, and I saw them in Phoenix. Oh, it was an amazing show. Amazing show. Now, that's, uh, that's what it's all about. I think the Slut Amphitheater is probably where you saw the um, Earth, Wind & Fire Chicago show, because I was, I was there that night. Well, I saw them in uh, Albuquerque. Yeah, at, at the, the, uh, at the, the Slut Amphitheater. Oh, yeah, yeah, you're yeah. right. Yeah, 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 yeah you're right. Yes. I, was, I was at that same show. I wish we had a place like that here, man. I've been saying that for years. I said that this, that's what they should have done with that arena. Made it an outdoor amphitheater. There you go. There so, you go. Nobody, oh, listen, nobody listened to me. Gosh, okay. that was awesome, man. Man, we could. Is that the greatest concert you've ever seen? No, but it was one of. It was. It was. It was fun. It was a lot of fun. I've seen Earth, Wind, and Fire a couple times. I saw them at the Haskins Center, and they were great. Oh yeah, 
When Jim Paul brought him in. That's right. That was a great show, too. Oh, yeah. You're right. So, I mean, it's so hard to say greatest concert ever because there's tough. been so many good ones. I've you seen, can't go wrong with Prince. I work at a radio station for 27 years. I've seen so many great shows. I saw Prince at the, uh, in Las Cruces. Steve, mm-hmm. nothing like it. Earth, when Purple Rain came, came out and he was there, he was there three nights. Oh, you saw Prince for the Purple Rain show? Yes. I in Cruces. Three straight nights. And he was there, and I saw all three nights. Oh, wow. Look at that. Yeah, it was amazing. Jason, Prince times three. Oh, it was the best. My mom wants her phone number. <laughs> my, mom, see, my mom told me she left me some stranger. She didn't even know who she, who she was. She was like, I'm going to go see Prince. I don't care about my kid. <laughs> Probably thought it was the best show she ever saw, too. Oh, no. Like, the best thing. Like, she still talks about it to this day. Oh. He was on PBS this past weekend. Mm-hmm. That concert, but Prince. Uh, that's the best. That's the best concert you've ever seen live. I would say Prince. I saw Janet Jackson live. She was amazing as well. Obviously, mm-hmm. I never saw the Jackson Five though. I never saw Michael Jackson in concert. That was. I wish I could have seen that. I saw Alan Jackson last year about this time. He was okay. amazing too. I love country and western concerts. How about but Latino? One, you ever seen? Uh, you, you ever seen some of those shows? Who? Latino shows, like um, specifically... Oh, yeah. Little Joe and the Familia. What about uh, Juan Gabriel? Or not Never Juan Gabriel. Ga- and, and also, uh, yeah, there's some, there's some I mean, amazing shows there, too. So oh, yeah. Little Joe. I saw Vicky Carr. That's fun. Vicky Carr is amazing. Oh, she's amazing. I just realized something. Adrian's got to do Sports Center because we're at the bottom of the hour. We still have not even talked about our high school athlete. This is what happens. We go in on the music tangent, and the next thing you know, the show is out of control. Mr. Craig's here, man. I know. DJ to the stars. I know it. It's what happens. So, anyway, I'm happy we talked about it, though. I would never have known in a million years you had tens of thousands of records. Yeah, I've been very fortunate in my life. Very fortunate. You have some original Beatles? I don't. Not the original, no. Okay. I do not. But okay. I love the Beatles. In fact, I saw the Beatle impersonators about two months ago. They were amazing. Oh, Steve. Where'd you see him? Here. Okay. Here. At the radio station? No, no, wait a minute. I'm sorry. It wasn't a year. It was like uh, eight months ago I okay. saw him. Where they, were, where'd they play? The convention Center. Oh, nice. Okay. Oh, yeah. Good. It was an amazing show. All right. Very good. Plaza Theater. It's yeah. a great, you know, Plaza's the best. It's a, it's a But the Fox Theater in Tucson. Steve, I saw the British Invasion down there. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. What a great show Kinks? that was. Kinks? Who was a part of that? It was the Kinks. It was uh, Herman's Hermits. Got it. Remember Herman's yep, Hermits? Yep, I do. And uh, Dave Clark Five. And then I went to the Celebrity Theater that's in Phoenix. Have mm-hmm. you ever been there? I have. It goes around in circles yep. while they play. I saw Frankie Valley in the Four Seasons there. Oh, Frankie Valley was rocking, man. Mm, oh, mm, I mm. saw Tom Jones there. Oh, that's one of the greats, too. Oh, the All dramatics right. I saw. I saw the Temptations there. Hey, man, the Celebrity Theater in Phoenix, that's the place to be, man. I'll tell you. More with Wayne Thornton as we'll actually get to the topic at hand. The best athletes uh, in, in El Paso this year. But first, let's go to Adrian and get this Sports Center update who is with us right now to talk about the best athletes in the uh, city of El Paso, which will be the final time, by the way, uh, we'll be doing this, and it's going to be happening at the El Paso Athletic uh, Hall of Fame press conference later this month. 
before the uh, induction uh, ceremonies, which will uh, happen, I believe that will be Wednesday the 22nd, right? Okay, so this will be on the 21st. Let's talk about uh, these 10 athletes. First of all, we have from uh, the small schools, we have the athletic director is Michael McKibben. The female athlete of the year is Maddie Estrada. She's from Mountain View High School. And the male athlete of the year is Fernando Villa. He is from Horizon High School. Now, Maddie Estrada, she plays five sports. She does volleyball, basketball, cross country, track. And Steve, she does cheerleading. That's a sport, ladies and gentlemen. And she's got a scholarship to go to college on a cheerleading scholarship to Davenport University. Congratulations, dear. I like awesome. that. By the way, I'm happy we honored a cheerleader. That's good. Does that happen all the time? Never happened before. Really? First time. That's awesome. First time. Good. Yeah, that's, that's really cool that that happened. And there's, she's ecstatic. She really is. Where's Davenport University, by the way? It's in Davenport, St. Louis. Okay. So is it in Davenport, Iowa, or no? Yes. Okay, great. All Did right. I say outside St. Louis? I'm yes. sorry. Outside of Iowa. That's all right. I'm, I'm sorry. Nice. But, yeah, so uh, congratulations to her. Fernando Villa, he is an outstanding student as well, and he's a 2021-2022 district champ for wrestling. Also plays fourth at regional, seventh at state, and he was all team, uh, first-team all-team linebacker for uh, his school as well. So Howard Presswood is his coach, and uh, I used to coach Howard when he was 10 years old. Man, that goes a long ways back. Uh, Where would you coach him? Summer track. Summer track. Name no of our idea. team. I had no idea you coached summer track. You know track. what the name of our team was? You know, you'll love this, Mr. Craig. Tootsie Roll Souls. That was our track team. And we'd run around the track and give out Tootsie Rolls. That's right. That's another story for another day, I guess. Okay. Fair enough. Now for the uh, county schools. Athletic director is Christine Jackich. And the female athlete of the year, Victoria Perez from San Elizaria High School. Male Athlete of the Year, Jorge Maese, also from San Elizario High School. Jorge, of course, an outstanding track and field runner for the cross-country state championship team. Victoria Perez, in her career, she scored over 2,000 points for the girls' basketball team for Coach Josefina Contreras. Her dad is the boys' coach at San Elizario. Her dad who also played in high school at Burgess High School. So congratulations to Miss Contreras, also a volleyball player there as well. And then we go to the El Paso Independent School District, the Chapin High School, Brianna Montoya, Female Athlete of the Year, the Male Athlete of the Year, Tavoris Jones from Burgess High School. Of course, you know about him going to Missouri, right? Can't say I'm surprised about either. Why? Have you seen him play football? Yeah, he's a, yeah, that, 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 he's a man. Let's just put it that way. Man, that guy, I don't see how they get him on film. He's too quick, man. That guy is amazing. But, again, uh, congratulations to James Rotlish, the head football coach there at Burgess. And, of course, Chapin High School's own uh, Brianna Montoya. She plays two sports, girls basketball, and she also plays softball. What an amazing softball program as well there at Chapin High School. We go to this letter, Independent School District, Female Athlete of the Year, Elena Torres from Bel Air High School, Jaden Bustillos from Riverside High School. He is the Male Athlete of the Year. And, of course, we talk about – this is different too, Steve. Gymnastics. Gymnastics. She is the gymnastics champion, and that's how she got to be the athlete of the year. Elena Torres from Bel Air High School. Congratulations. There's only three schools in El Paso that have gymnastics. And it's Bel Air uh, and who else? Hanks. And you know who the third is? No. 
Who is the third? I just had, oh, Eastwood. Okay. Those so are they're all, all east side schools. All east side schools. The That's only great. ones that have only ones that have gymnastics. Where do they compete? They compete for the state. So that's that's pretty impressive when you start to think about it. It really is, and she's an amazing athlete. And I think that uh, people, when they read her resume, it's amazing because we're going to have these resumes along with their selfie videos that mm-hmm. they did to say congratulations. They're going to put we're going to put those up on the El Paso Leg Hall of Fame website at El Paso Leg Hall of Fame dot com. Very nice. And finally, we go to the Socorro School District Female Athlete of the Year, Isabella Valencia. She's from America's High School and the Male Athlete of the Year. Diego Munoz, he is from Pebble Hills High School. So congratulations to them as well. And we talk about cheerleading, Steve. Another cheerleader comes to us, Isabella Valencia from America's High School. Man, that's great. Love it. It really is. The diversity of our student-athletes today is amazing, Steve. You know, I heard you talking earlier about uh, UTEP and signing their last scholarship athlete. And I think back to those times where really that was really the only sports you could hear about, football and basketball. Mm-hmm. Maybe there's no baseball, right? That's as true. As far as UTEP's concerned. Yeah. But now today what we have in our high schools, it's amazing, isn't it? It is. By the way, water polo's coming. Did you know that? Wow. There is a, the whole state is, is going to start water polo this next year. And El Paso won't be in the inaugural water polo for the state of Texas, but it's coming. And from what I understand, the next two to three years, El Paso will also be competing in water polo. How neat is that? Now, I can't swim, so I could never get in anybody's pool. Well, you can if it's five feet. You'd be fine. Well, I could be DJ out there by the pool. Have you ever gone in a pool just to, like, get in the water, even though it's, uh, you know, never? Never. Never. Really? Never. What about the beach? Never, never. I've been to Hawaii multiple times when I was in Japan. We used to go almost every other weekend. I got sick of going to Hawaii. So you've never been snorkeling? No. Oh, no. Heck no. Okay. No, ain't going to happen, brother. Got it. I wouldn't do that in the bathtub. Would you ever uh, want to learn to swim? No. Never and no desire? I, you reach a point in your life where you wish you could, but I just, uh, the fear factor is there, and I just, it wouldn't happen. I understand. Yeah, everybody's told me, all right, I can do it. I can, I can get you to swim, Wayne. No, I ain't going to do that. You're not, you're not putting floaties on at your age. <laughs> I love that, man. I get you. <laughs> Floaties. Is that how your son learned to swim? Uh, no, he learned, uh, he, he learned by taking lessons. Okay. Gus and yeah. Goldie? No. No? Um, no. Um, someone's house where we, well, went, we put him in a cool. pool. And that's cool. He learned, uh, he learned to swim. That's cool. So. That, that's Learned the proper and, and also learned how to float if, uh, if in fact, he was ever in trouble. Learned how to float so he, he wouldn't drown. That's, that's the most best part. Of, you just said it. Learn how to float. Yep, That's 100%. the most important. Totally right. most important. You've done it again. You've given us 40 minutes. We've learned a lot, not just about the best teams and the best athletes, but about your music collection. We've learned about your best shows you've ever seen, venues to go see, what you want in El Paso. It's been, it's been a very enlightening show, to be honest with you. Good hour, Wayne. Hey, and you know where to go to the best memorabilia in El Paso? The best sports memorabilia, where is it? In El Paso. Dr. Um, Scott Stein, who's uh, the president Scott, of the Scott's Hall of Fame. Got, Scott's got a ridiculous it, amount of Isn't stuff. it amazing what yeah. he's got? Oh, it's, it's nuts. That's the nicest guy you would ever want to meet, Scott Stein, ladies and gentlemen. This guy is an amazing person, right next to the next most amazing person, Dr. Jim Bowden. Mm-hmm. They both have their practices right there next to each other. And Jim is going to be part of the class this year for the, uh, for the Hall of Fame. Oh, my gosh. It's going to be oh, great. Oh, my gosh. Oh. By the way, uh, Jason, uh, Adrian, do you have anything for uh, any questions for Wayne before we wrap it up? All right, let me think. Hold on, um, Wayne. Did you get ever? Uh, did you ever have a chance um, to DJ a? 
Okay, come on. I'm I'm coming off the whim here. Well, I'm you didn't have. To, you could have just said no. Event. You're but done. I want, no, no, no. But this is a this is a great segment. I'm trying to close it out with a question. Um, uh, Wayne, what was the set? What was your favorite uh, disco place on the weekend here locally? That's not here anymore. The place that was right there off of Hunter. It was called the place mm-hmm. where the floor lights up underneath you. It was red, blue, and, you know, just lighting up, all, just like the movie, Saturday Night Fever. Was it a dance or a roller rink or just a dance place? Oh, no, it was a dance place. Yeah. Oh, man. That, that, that. In 1981, we had the high school superstar competition in El Paso. All the different high schools, we picked 10 athletes male, 10 athletes female, mm-hmm. and we had the event at Lincoln Center under the Spaghetti Bowl. And after the event, we all went to the place, which was a nightclub, and we took them there. It was a teen nightclub, so to speak, then at that time, too. So we took them there, and they had a great time. And the song of the year at that time was John Travolta's, and it wasn't his, his disco song. It was Looking for Love. Mm. Everybody was yeah. in the country western music thing because yeah. of Urban Cowboy. That's right. Oh, man. That's a great question. That was jamming. At Lincoln Center behind it, we had a skating rink behind it. People call it the big circle. It's still there. In fact, you drive by the freeway, you see Lincoln Center, you see the big circle. We used to have, I used to DJ, and we used to have outdoor roller skating parties. Oh, that sounds like right fun. Right there. Oh, man. Miss those days. Oh, man. Steve, the, yeah. the power you have, and, and, and Craig, Mr. Craig can tell you, the power you have when you have those turntables in front of you, there's nothing like it. There's nothing like it. You control everything. And when they come up and ask you for a request, and they want you to play a particular song, you make their day. You make their world when you play that particular song. Mm. It's, it's the best, man. Jason, your turn. In that Lincoln Circle, do you think that could happen again, like, today? Yes. Yours, I, it, it's, it's two things that could happen there, Jason. One, outdoor boxing would be perfect for that venue right there. And just what you said, to have, once again, to have outdoor roller skating right there. We were, um, it's beautiful. If you ever pass by, it's right in the Spaghetti Bowl. It's a great venue. It's a great park, Lincoln Park. It's the best. I was there for 28 years till we had to close it because of mold. I went to the, the, the main office for another 15 years before I retired. But Lincoln Center was the hotbed of everything at the time that I was there, Steve. Everybody wanted to be at Lincoln Center for something. Um, cheerleading, dancing, and dancing took, and uh, romancing under the stars. And it took mold to shut it down. It took mold to shut it down, yeah. And it's reopening now because uh, they, they decided to go ahead and give it to uh, uh, the, 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 how you say, TxDOT had it as, the, as a lease. Yeah. And they gave it back to not the city but to a private investment group, and they're going to take it and make it a beautiful place once again. Good. Are they going to have to uh, completely tear it down and build it back up again? Not tear it down. But good. They're going to do the, the, the remediation. Renovations. The remediation, and they'll take care of it. It'll be good. Miss Lily Lamone and her crew are going to do a great job. Took them 15 years to get that mold out of there, but man, oh, man, <laughs> it's getting done. I'm it's happy getting done. That. Yeah, All right. exactly. Listen, great to see you. Thanks for stopping by, as always. And uh, until uh, we get to meet again, Wayne, it's always a pleasure. Hey, stay nice as rice, mellow as jello. And uh, it's getting kind of dark outside. Before you get in your car, Steve, look up in the sky. You won't see any stars. You know why? Because all the stars are right here. Nobody says it better. Nobody. Then that man right there, Wayne Thornton. Come back, wrap it up next. Final countdown to Sports Talk continues.